Girl, Woman, Other follows a cast of 12 characters on their personal journeys through the UK and the last 100 years. They're each looking for something, a shared past, an unexpected future, a place to call home, somewhere to fit in, a lover, a missed model, a lost father, even just a touch of hope. Welcome to Like a Real Book Club, where we talk about books and just about everything else. I'm Jerain. I'm Christina. And I'm Ashley. So, first reactions. All right. So, Girl, Woman, Other for me was really an interesting look at black women. Well, mostly black women because the book follows 12 different British people Mm -hmm. across over 100 years and their experiences with being, I would say, the other Mm -hmm. in the UK. And my first experiences was I was not expecting this book to be this funny. That's that's just yeah. point blank. So when I first read the summaries and I heard what it was about, it was about 12 predominantly black women in the United Kingdom. And I, the word struggle kept on coming up in the summary, even just a while ago trying to find a summary that didn't have the word struggle in it was so i really didn't expect this book to be this funny i also was not expecting the irreverent use of coke coke (laughs) (laughs) but also full stops and covers and capitalizations um but overall i really really enjoyed this book it was a thick book and i got through it pretty quickly so what did you guys ahead of all of us well full disclosure Mm -hmm. Okay, I like spoilers. Um, but yo, this book is amazing. I've been recommending it to. You're not gonna finish it though. I know, but it's that good. It's that good, Bernardine. If you're listening, you're great. You're an amazing writer, and you're deserving of all the nice things. But this this book, uh, it made me emotional. Like I teared up when I was reading Dominique's story. I felt it for Bumi. Yo, Latisha. Latisha's story, I felt it in my stomach. And I just, the the stories of these women, their resilience, their triumphs, their pleasures, their sacrifices. It's it's a book that I think is refreshing, but also insightful because it makes you, it gives you that fly on the wall. Mm Mm-hmm quick to judge judge. somebody at face value because it's so much deeper than what we see and uh, i really like i mean i like reading books that call me up on that because i do struggle with being just like um running with whatever biases that i may form Mm -hmm. from about someone else and uh last time i spoke about how roxanne gaines memoir dragged me for films this book again just made me realize that hey you need to try to be better because the world is is gonna be better if everybody just does their due diligence and thank you bernadine for reminding me of that to you amazing characters <laughs> um so my first reaction of this book is where are the commas where are the capitalizations <laughs> where are the full stops but um 
that lasted for like a second because then I got really drawn into the stories. I, I, I love how complicated these women are. And I guess we're going to go into that a little bit more later, but I love how complicated and complex their lives are. I love how none of these characters are the typical protagonists, you know, the goodies, the, uh, perfect woman whatever that is i loved how textured and complicated they were and i also love how she wrote it she and i Jerrine had mentioned it a little earlier while we were talking that bernardine has this great way of giving each character their own feel their own style their own rhythm and any writer that can do that with 12 characters Girl, girl, big up yourself. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So let's start off with. So the format of the book is that we have a character getting their own chapter. There is no overarching story. So even though it feels at first like you're reading short stories, you soon realize that it's all happening at the same time. But there is no overarching plot, per se. There are things that overlap in each character's lives. There are moments where they kind of make, uh, I guess, a cameo in each in, other's yeah. stories. Some of them are more obvious than others, where you have a lot of mother-daughter relationships, mm-hmm. which I found very interesting in terms of how Bernadine wrote these mother-daughter experiences. Uh, and then some of them, it's just Boomy is Penelope's, Housekeeper. Mm-hmm. Penelope mentions her offhand once. I think Boomy mentions Penelope once. offhand once yeah. as well. So they're very much not integral in each other's lives, but it's just so interesting to see the different perspectives on what they have. Mm-hmm. So we can start by looking at chapter one. We are introduced to Amma, who kind of becomes the anchor for a lot of the stories here in girl woman other uh so emma is a very much a feminist in the capital f sense um (laughs) she works in theater production she used to do a lot of i guess you could say community theater community theater yeah and now she has work at the national theater and which is a huge deal deal. national theater is as mainstream as you can possibly get in the theater world the only other theater that's more popular than that is new york broadway (laughs) so national theater Emma, make it to reach she is successful but what does that mean for Emma, who is called by her friends all of her friends who've been with her from before Mm -hmm. as a sellout and sylvester Sylvester. I thought he, <laughs> he was, was just bad man. He was so goddamn Salty. annoying. In the, in the vex, <laughs> yeah. say him never reached that level of success. And I feel like if he had gotten that level of success, it wouldn't be, him wouldn't go on so. Yeah. He really would not have yeah. behaved that way. Well, I, I think her being representative of that very grassroots feminist, because we are introduced to her, it's Amma and Dominique running around and mm. cussing out theatres like the National mm-hmm. Theatre for not accepting their art, their art, their stories, the stories of people who are not white and men and straight and all these very mainstream ideas. And now her work is being shown in the National Theatre. And 
What's interesting with that story for me is that the conversation's also happening with her daughter, Yaz, who we get mm-hmm. to know where Yaz is saying, Mom, but you are. <laughs> you are very much the people that you're cussing out. You are the mainstream. Mom, what is feminist mm-hmm. anymore? Like I thought that was an interesting um an interesting point to come up because we saw where as you mentioned she lived this sort of grassroots life this uh, struggle for your art uh, this uh, fuck the establishment uh, i don't care about you i'm doing this because i love it and then for her to transition into this extremely um well-known and successful playwright and it sort of asks the question of uh, are you really a sellout if you attain that level of success? Yeah. Are you um, are you no longer standing for the the or sta- rather standing against the establishment if you if you attain this level of success and therefore are considered as a part of the establishment? No, like how do we navigate that? And I thought that was extremely interesting. And Bernardine, I don't think Bernardine is even trying to answer that question either. Um, she's more putting it out there. Well, not not necessarily putting out the question, but putting out this life and having you grapple with that question yourself. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people uh, will find themselves asking is, am I deserving of the recognition? Is this uh, the reward? Is she repaying mm-hmm. the reward of mm-hmm. the fruits of her labor? You know, but, uh, and he has, doesn't, miss a beat to call her out on whatever it is which is really funny in my opinion yes is an yeah, interesting she, person she, <laughs> yeah she was a little bit too much at times like she just never quit but i mean what yeah what can you do um but yeah i i'm not i'm not mad at Amma for mm-hmm. having her production being shown on this big stage because i think after you work in the quote-unquote trenches for so long Mean, and she's been there yeah she's been you've there been for living, a long you've time you've been walking the walk and talking the talk and if people are recognizing it now whether it's a change in mindset mm-hmm. or there's a shifting culture to want to be in, in in to want to know and listen to um different types of stories then if there's somebody i think there's no better person to do it than amal because mm-hmm. it's a lived experience it's something that she's knows at the back of her hand Mm -hmm. and she is an authentic source what would be better for some white person to make (laughs) up yeah try to make up the story like um what's your name in carol's story one of her friend them from the ivy league school went into the um inner city school to be a teacher so he could work right Right. like you want somebody like that who's gonna try to be some sort I mean, of, somebody like that is getting some recognition. I mean, yeah, now. that happens all the time. But why wouldn't you want the recognition to call, come from somebody who mm-hmm. is living it or, or has, has lived. lived it? I also really enjoyed um, sort of Emma's awakening in her later life. We see where she has now accepted herself as polyamorous and accepted the sort of relationship dynamic that she that is comfortable for her um and i re- i liked that um i liked seeing her seeing her sort of transition into that or seeing her life and how it unfolds as she gets a little bit older and it sort of seems like as she got older she became a more 
a bit more aware of herself, like who she is and what she wants and how she's going to go about the rest of her life. Yeah. Especially parenting a child like Yaz. Yeah, no, I thought Emma was a fuckboy. She she was. (laughs) She was. like when she's talking about um, all these women fawning over her and blah, 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 and like not remembering who they were. And I was just like, Wow. She really was. She really was. But she was comfortable with it. But I very comfortable with it. I just feel like as she got older, she's like, all right, this is what works for me. At least she's a little bit more honest with her partners in her later years. Yeah, yeah. I guess. Uh, I guess. <laughs> yeah. There's a bit more honesty there. Yeah. But at first, I was just like, Jesus. Yeah. She just seemed like. She's like she seemed like a very uncaring. Person. Yeah. When it like came a very to horrible personal person. relationship. Yeah. Selfish. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's hard. I didn't like when she was... I didn't like that aspect of mm-hmm. her. Or maybe I shouldn't say I didn't like. I found that aspect of her hard to read because I just... I'm, I don't like people like that. There's something... I'm still... There's something about that type of... Uh, um, What is it? Like that uh, type of... Uh, I don't care. Yeah, like it's just... It's I'm very absent. It's very... Yeah. It's very... And you know what's annoying about that behavior too? Um, they'll blame some sort of traumatic experience that they had as a child or something that they would have gone through. Instead, No, um, I don't think she did that. But just in general, people like that usually, I don't find that they're accountable to their behavior. So they won't be upfront and honest about what they want from the people that they want it from, but instead blame some, uh, maybe... Maybe it's not abstract, but blame something that happened in their past as opposed to just being honest. Women who are upset with you. Yeah. But you were upfront about it and they misunderstand. There must be some sort of truth to why they all yeah, I don't know. I feel it, jilted. I, don't know, I, I was side-eyeing all of that. I was just like, I don't know how much I trust you <laughs> in terms of you and me being open and honest. I don't know if you're that much of a heartbreaker. An Pro- accidental heartbreak. Anyways. Mm, mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So I didn't quite like that about Amma. Fair. Understandable. Yeah. <laughs> You're making up your face, Because I just like, I'm, I mean, I'm remembering reading that and I was just like, yo, this girl needs to chill out. <laughs> like, it's uh, it reminds me of those galaxies who are just like, yeah, it, yeah. get gal easy, whatever, whatever, mm-hmm. and just dash them right after. And I mean, her saying that she never speak with anybody two times. Or three. <laughs> I think the problem like, like three's the limit. But can we just acknowledge how small the lesbian community is? So if I you sleep imagine. with anybody three Everybody times, everybody probably knows. Everybody, like, like what? Come on, Emma. Even Come in on. London. And this was this was when in the perhaps in the eighties, like eighties, probably nineties. So it was probably really small. thirty years ago from today. I yeah, am with her friends, really and I would encourage her to get. <laughs> Because she has domestic issues, clearly. Sort out your life, Amma. Yeah, but I mean, she does make a point that we do see a lot of men do, do that, that. Especially, I guess, also given consider UK at that time. Yeah. The 80s, the rock star. Yeah. It was very much okay. What was but at the same thing? time, I don't think the double standard should exist should, where it's like, yeah. well, it's okay for men to do it. Yeah. You should do it. Like, so yeah. I'm going to do it. Don't be an awful person. That's true. I mean, um, Russell something he was married to Katy Perry Russell he, Brand he bragged about having or having slept with at least a thousand women I don't understand that so, man 
I mean, <laughs> now he's, he's rebranded into a yeah, some, some guru, very insightful. Guru. I think it's a cult. He looks Maybe. like Jesus. What they think would white Jesus? He looks like that. I really anyway. think it's a cult for you. Know people. white people love that shit. They do. They do. <laughs> they, do. they do. They love a white man with long hair spewing and, some and sort cloth. of. And some then, sort like, of some spiritual strappy, strappy sandals. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> yeah, I'm a yeah, I'd, I yeah, I'm a I don't know. And then I think I'd love to see her play. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm I'm There's thinking a about collective <laughs> look <laughs> that I just got a while ago. I I'd want no, to see I it. want to see it. I'd want to see it. Just what, to see what it woman, looks like. Woman of Dahomey. What mm-hmm. is it? Amazon. Amazon. Yeah, it looks like an interesting thing. It sounded I'd wanna interesting. See it. When she I'd want to see it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, who was your favorite character, guys? Can, you think you can answer that? Or did you have a favorite character? Did you have a favorite story? Did I? Did I? Did I? I think Dominique's story was really, um, was really impactful. Or heart-wrenching in a little way i felt really um i remember i was reading it i was tweeting about it and i was like i'm gonna trust the enzinga woman here i'm gonna oh trust her she I'll seems very hotepi like <laughs> this girl she seemed she seemed very hotepish yeah, but like, how could she have known the way that they met? No, that no, no, no. So I'm not gonna. I'm not blaming Dominique at yeah. all. I'm just I know, saying I know that from reading her. it and when she was introduced, yeah. I was like, this one, no, I don't trust this how, one. What do you mean by how she was introduced or from when she was introduced? Because when how they painted her was this black goddess, and when we think about uh, spiritual awakening mm. in black women, like. We think about how the book portrays Enzingo. <laughs> no? Y'all I... follow y'all you don't follow Soul Pick on, on Instagram, those people. No, thank you. No. <laughs> no, Stay thank away you. from people who are like woman man. <laughs> no, or... no, it's not that they do they don't they're But not she's very her. much that. Yeah, I, she's oh, that. So, so like Dominic gets introduced and she is on in the tube in London. Obviously a tourist, she has the A to Z guide to London, everything. Mm-hmm. And here about Dominique. Um, Nzinga. Nzinga gets introduced like that. Mm-hmm. So she gets lost. She's a tourist. Dominique spots this amazing black goddess who is lost. Um, I think she did. Or some long hair. Oh. Did she? I can't remember if she has locks. Okay. I feel like she would have locks. I remember them saying that she was wearing harem pants though. Or was I, that Amma? No, she was wearing okay. harem pants. <laughs> like um, long kaftan yeah kaftan and dominic who's obviously a player because you know mm-hmm. amma's friend and everything is <laughs> what? just like that's not fair to say but yeah they are. but didn't they not mention, no, 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 they no. mention you know though. how you know dominic is a player dominic just says sees her going to invite her out for coffee because no lesbian ever says no to coffee <laughs> yep here <laughs> we go we are in a tea she doesn't even drink coffee but she's with me <laughs> yeah. she doesn't even drink tea She's what? Just having what was lemon it? with hot water. Lemon and hot water. Like Dominique knew. And she loved the girl she because she looked like a model. She looks like a model. And she was American. But she but she has those superficial like yeah. attractions. Which is why people. I think yeah. um she I knew drawn it. To I just knew Nzinga. it from she said she's not putting any toxins in her body. I'm like, girl, mm-hmm. tea? Yes. <laughs> I was like, something is up here. Like, That's like, my first wait. I've squinted. So hard, I was like, I was like, see, tear, no. She was C-tier. talking about the coffee. 
Okay. No tears. No, but well. she she just doesn't put any of them something there in her body. Me so so like she sound like one of them people who. Um, like, mm. you know, on Twitter, you yeah. know them people there will tell you say your period is because of colonization, oh and that maybe if you just stop eating meat and just only eat vegetables, your period you'll see how your period would stop. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Stop. And okay. then I loved at first where <laughs> Dominic decides to introduce Nzinga to her friend, her group. friend group. Yeah, and I'm always just like. Mm. She spotted it. She spotted like, it, mm. and I was just like, "Is Amma just being jealous?" Yes, because but then it I'm, was, I don't know, like, um, what's it called? Like alpha females. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So she felt threatened, yeah. and because Nzinga was older too, and I Amma did, is older than. I Dom. do think Amma felt mm-hmm. threatened. Oh, yes. So. I'm thinking that even even though she might have had some sort of a sixth sense yeah. i think she was third yeah. she was very much th- well it was written there like yeah. she she felt some sort of way that her I friends had, were enraptured yeah, by and i had notes and about I, her yeah. being annoyed about have these group of women here <laughs> hypnotized by them and i was like oh you probably need to calm <laughs> like, down relax. okay your friend but then you know you're when not I realized, the center of attention and it's okay boo <laughs> but then when i realized okay i you have a point was when zinga rant went into the rant about Talk about the implications of stepping on a black doormat. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, wearing black socks. Why like, would you yep, step you on your know. own people? She don't and wear don't black ever underwear. use a black garbage bag. <laughs> she instructed. As for black male, black ball, black mood, black magic, black sheep, black. And I was just like, yeah, I kind of felt. Why would you shit on your own people? Else. I'm like, why are you shitting in your underwear? <laughs> exactly. And Emma had a really good retort for that. She was like, I haven't done that since I was in diapers. I was like, shots fired. Oh my god! And then she started <laughs> quoting Bob Marley, but I think you need to listen to Bob Marley's redemption Oh my god! I'm a considered thanking Dinga for informing her that she was mentally enslaved and told her that African people were referred to as black long before the word made its appearance in the English language. Yeah. So it makes no sense to retroactively impose racist connotations onto their everyday usage. And I thought it was hilarious, just the dynamics, because I've never, before this book, to be honest, I've never thought about, I mean, I've heard it on and off about how black British people tend to see black Americans mm-hmm. because black Americans tend to be a lot more racialized in terms of theory. So even the books that they would refer to, a lot of it is reference to black American mm-hmm. theories, black American women writing about racial politics versus even when I was doing research for this book, there are very few books by black British women. They exist, but mm-hmm. it's very few and far apart compared to black American women. So a lot of bell hooks and Audre Lorde would make its way into the UK, which would explain Dominic's fascination with this black American woman who's so aware of everything racial and... Hashtag woke. Yeah. (laughs) But then that story just kind of... There are just so many slow building red flags into that story, which I really appreciated. It was... uh, I mean, when she went on that commune, the women's... Women's commune in where? Um, somewhere in I'm thinking it was the California? Midwest. You, no. no, she moved to California later, but I think it was somewhere in the Midwest of the United States. Um, but I think Dominique's story was so um, important because whenever we talk about intimate partner violence, violence. Why did I say violence? 
violence, um, we usually t think about it in terms of heterosexual pairings. Yeah. Um, or well, when we say gender-based violence or domestic violence, we think about it in the sense of heterosexual rom romantic relationships and rarely do we think about um, same-sex relations or just non-heterosexual relations and how that plays out and how not because a woman loving a woman or well not because it's a relationship where it's women loving women means that there isn't going to be some sort of conflict and conflict that leads to violence um and zinga presented herself as firstly she 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 made dominique out to be just this dumb girl who isn't woke yet and I'm the wokest of woke. And you should be grateful. I, you should be gr She. Well, I'm I, not and dumb. She said that I don't so think, yeah. No, I mean, when I say dumb, I mean, she just thinks that Dominique has no knowledge of the world. And yeah. she has she no, she has no deep understanding of race and racial politics and history. And so she says it several times in the book where she's like, you should be really happy that I'm teaching you all of this. Like, imagine if you didn't have me in your life. And... Bernardine did such a great job in showing us just the signs of abuse and the signs of abuse. It's very slow build up too. Like, it's crazy because Dominique, not crazy, sorry. Dominique didn't want, she didn't even want to step outside yeah. when Ama was there or whenever, um, when the, yeah. the commune leader, yeah. right, when she came by, when, Ama, when Enzinga went to the market, yeah. she didn't want to come outside because and Zynga trained her to not leave the house without my permission or without me being there. I told you to stay put, stay put. And I th it was... And there are all these little tests as well. Yes. So it's yeah. like she would go on and come back early just right, to see, oh, to see if you there? stayed or not. And, and I think how Bernadine wrote Dominique's story is important because it shows that, you know... Anybody susceptible, unfortunately, to violence mm -hmm. happening to them, even the people who are because before self-aware, self-assured, self you know, well-read. She was uh, astute. She was the one who broke up with all of her former um, girlfriends. She was the person. Who Is did she a jealous? Yes, mm -hmm. she was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but she did the breaking up. You know, she did the taking charge, and I. I, the courting and she yeah and she was she was the following that in that mm -hmm. um relationship unfortunately the power balance was extremely off and uh, i think it was uh, nice to see after she overcome this relationship through therapy the realization that she came with she came to when she i think she said like she was the first of nine children or something like that and there was Nobody to really mother her, so she mm -hmm. needed a mother, and she found that in the form of Enzingo. Mm -hmm. And um, as soon as her mom had a, had her, she had another you know, baby another and another and another. And another. And she had no mother, and then she had to take care of other people. So, I mean, you, you see how 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 impactful our early childhood experiences are in the type of adults that we become, and how psychologically a lot of things don't leave us. They just uh, manifest in different things. So, I mean, I thought Amma's story was very beautifully written. You mean Dominique? Sorry, yeah, sorry. <laughs> Dominique's story was beautifully written.
difficult and tragic, but um, it uh, it was uh, it was necessary because, like you said, it's you know adulthood. We have a lot of narratives that deal with um same sex relationships that you know experience violence. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and I love the ending that um Dominique got. I think. Um, in the same way, Emma sort of got her her success story by having her own play being put on in this world famous theater. Dominique sort of got her what what do they call that swan song? Okay, I don't know why everybody's looking at me. Um, yeah, she got her festival that she put on. Um, right, she started. Can I that's tell you, that's do. what abusive people do. That's what controlling I people made do. You. It's it's so hilarious to me because as I was reading Dominic's story, it reminded me so much of someone that I know actually. Not, um, and Zynga actually reminded me of someone that I know where it's mm. like, I made you who you are. Don't and it's forget like, it. No, actually, you were just <laughs> a complete asshole and you thought you were mentoring mm-hmm. me. But okay, <laughs> let, let, let's what say is, that. That's so scary because people like that walk up Oh yeah. Before you have to go through the full extent of the type of person that they are before you finally see the light. Well, I think. What are the warning signals? I I think a lot of it was just. I'm 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 really glad that Emma was there with Dominic, and something that wasn't quite resolved was Dominic said she was writing letters to Emma, but they were never Mm -hmm. delivered, and then Emma shows up because. She heard her friend was here. She wasn't hearing anything from her. And Dominique was like, but I wrote to you. I thought you were upset with me. Mm-hmm. And that to me was just, they never say it. Um, Brandy never says it. But I think that's something that people often forget that abuse has cut off your communication, yeah, they, your support system. They create themselves to be the only source You're of You're the only source of my, of my happiness, my joy, intimacy. my intimacy. Um, it's Depend I'm making you better because now you're not drinking and smoking and even though you enjoy those things you know that it's better for you to not mm-hmm. eat without salt <laughs> and all of these things mm-hmm. but then it's this is better I'm doing this because I love you kind of thing and it's it's a bit tragic that it's that's psychological it continued even yeah, beyond Dominic being dependent on me like you don't need anybody else in your life. You only need me. And one of the reasons you only need me is because I provide you with all of these wonderful things that is making your life better. Why would you want to leave this? Yeah. But can I tell you though, in all of her trashiness, I still feel bad for Nzingo because she had a very rough upbringing. And I think that's the thing that kept Dominique there for so long. That was a hook. Um, because she did she, she express that to Dominique she, though? I think she told it was her about her childhood, and, and I think that's one of the reasons Dominique justified staying with her because mm-hmm. yeah, she was physically attracted to her. Yeah, the sex was amazing. Yeah, she's smart and whatever. But like she, it's almost as if the person, the nurturer in Dominique, came out too. Mm-hmm. Where she felt like she needed to care for I need this. To be here for yeah, her. I need to be here and care for this person who had a rough life and she means well. You know, it's like you're waiting for the potential. You're waiting to see the potential. Making for excuses. This. For yeah. Yeah. 
But I mean, I mean, and maybe I'm making an excuse for Nzinga too. So I I need to look into that. But having the experience um, that she experienced, you I know, the sexual trauma that she went through, her mother, I think her her father left, and her mother in an abusive relationship with the man and the, you know, all of those that mm-hmm. drama and her not talking to any of her family members. She, I don't know how else she would have turned out, to be honest, as bad as that sounds. I don't think it's bad. Um, It's not uncommon for um, abusers to have had abuse in their past. Yeah. Um, I don't think acknowledging that invalidates their abusive ways. Mm -hmm. We can acknowledge that. And we can also acknowledge that they're abusive assholes. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and I think it goes back to that weird theme that keeps running back through book club sessions is at the end of the day, abusers are still human Mm -hmm. and they still do have a past. They still have experiences. They still have a future. How do you, how does that, how do you build from that to Mm -hmm. turn them into a better human being? And how do you acknowledge, okay, you do, you do have trauma. In this case, I'm not Mm -hmm. saying all abusers do, but you do have some level of trauma and you're using it or you can sometimes use it to manipulate people how do we move forward from that and yeah, so i don't think if you're i don't think you're necessarily making excuses or mm. so, i think you're just giving a bit more nuance mm. as to her experiences and why she may use her experience to manipulate others around her yeah yeah she it was she had a hard story. and her her life was hard because she in her old age she I mean, the person who was Did taking nice. care of her, she never died by herself. Her late, her last girlfriend decided to stay because that was the only person that she had. But that was out of pity and not because she really wanted love. to. Yeah. And so, I mean, I guess it's, it's something that I'm asking where you, like humans, we spend our whole lives or a lot of us spend our whole lives trying to find real connection with people and we find it in briefly in some people um not in the most uh, ethical or like positive way in others and you just uh, connections are hard to come by so i guess when you find something that feels remotely right you just kind of stick with it even if it's hard um i think we skipped over yaz yeah we did well we spoke Um. about her briefly but she she interesting little interesting character i absolutely loved yaz i I think yaz and possibly boomy are my favorite um chapters to read not necessarily my favorite characters but i thought yaz was so brilliantly written i i read yaz and i was quite surprised at how well an author was able to capture the voice of someone who belongs to generation z without being condescending without belittling their ideas Without, I, I thought it was just such a perfect capture of what it means to be in university, being completely radical, but at the same time trying to figure out your whole friendship thing. And I thought it was just so, such a, because Yaz is brilliant. Yaz yeah. has been raised to be a very headstrong go-getter, mm-hmm. very critical. And she very hasn't figured it out yet, but she she's there. And I thought Bernadine how did you manage to write someone who's 19 years old? Bernadine is, <laughs> I think she's in her 60s and she embodied someone 
the entire mind of someone who's 19 years old so perfectly. Yeah. It was just such a fun chapter to read and it was just so fun watching Yaz thinking she knows it all yeah. and realizing oh shit did my white friend just <laughs> call me out using Roxanne yeah. <laughs> in feminist that was, that was like, I don't even know who this is <laughs> <laughs> she's like wait did the student just become the master and it was just so I thought it was also great just as you said earlier Bernadine is really good at not asking questions not telling you what to mm-hmm. think but just saying this is what it these is. this is a broad spectrum of what it means this is there is no singularity to these stories and i thought yes story was just brilliant in yeah because it was just a great second chapter to okay mm-hmm. you thought you knew what this book was about but i'm going to change it up because yeah. we we meet Dominique and Emma who are feminists and they tell you they're feminists and then we meet up on Yaz who says all right this feminism thing that was in the past (laughs) it's not it I'm a humanitarian mom you don't even know what that is and I thought that was just I thought that was so interesting because it it sort of set the tone for the type of person that Yaz is to me somebody who questions what's happening now and whether that's applicable to me Mm-hmm. Will any of will any of the politics that's dominating um the world right now, how will it affect me in the future? Will it even affect me in the future? Is it the type of future that I want for myself? Mm-hmm. I remember she saying that um she wants to be non-binary now because that's how the future is going to be. Um gender constructs will no longer exist. And I thought that was an interesting point um, for Bernadine to put there. I didn't know. I don't. I still don't know what I think about it. Oh. Um, what were you saying? No, go ahead. I'll, I'll say after. Oh, um, I thought it was an interesting point, and I wonder if nineteen-year-olds have those sorts of thoughts. No, if they, um, if it's them thinking that that's the that's the end result of deconstructing gender um if they believe that in a couple of years the world is just going to be non-gender and everybody's going to be by non-binary like what are the thoughts that are happening with people in her age group right yeah. now yeah uh, so the whole gender thing i think morgan in the later chapter talks about meeting yaz and explaining to yaz that you don't just choose to become non-binary that's not how it works um but i i like the idea of this i like the idea of a, a quote-unquote post-feminist world because it's so to me my response to it was, oh, Yaz, you are so misguided <laughs> because this idea of a post-feminist world feels very much akin to the idea of a post-racial world that mm-hmm. should have existed after Obama. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it was very much, but I, again, I understand where Yaz is coming from where a lot of the feminist theories and also the feminist strategies of older generations just don't make sense to our understanding of gender today and it's that need to constantly update yourself and to be aware of feminist theory and critique even earlier today when we were talking about today's headline Mm -hmm. for the newspaper oh side note (laughs) so today as we're recording the headline on the glee note talks about a sex strike and we were talking about just how 
Misguided. Misguided. I was about to say nonsensical, <laughs> but I think misguided is the best term. A nicer way. Yeah, because it's a very older feminist strategy in terms of how you address violence against women. Mm-hmm. But that is that just does not make sense because you don't give like sex isn't something you should be using to bargain. That's something yeah. that we've been trying to get rid of for mm-hmm. how many years sex isn't uh, a woman's a, ultimate it, power it's uh, yeah it's not the power that you use to gain protection mm-hmm. yeah that that whole thing that makes no sense it's not we have give you sex and there's world peace and it's also a matter of even giving it's just mm-hmm. I'm, I'm getting sidetracked but the point is that feminist theory I mean, constantly like is up <laughs> <laughs> feminist theory is constantly updating and should be updating yeah um so and as we get to the last chapter i think we'll see how much dominic and amma's feminist theory has not quite updated <laughs> nope. um and i can understand yaz's reaction but i do like that yaz is still going She's she I kind of she reminded me a bit of myself in terms mm-hmm. of being very confident. Yeah, yeah, I get it. But at the same time, there's this little voice in your head going, huh, wait, uh, there's that other it. new thing <laughs> I need to think about mm-hmm. and then get back to it. Because when she does get called out for things, she does kind of say, okay. brushes it She's, to the side. I, don't I think. think she steps you back think a so? little. I, she doesn't show it. Oh, no, she, she doesn't thinks, show it. She, she says things it. It's very much yeah. in her mind to go. Because hmm. even that Roxanne Gay it. interaction yeah. with her white friend, she was she like, just moved on to something else. Yeah. In her, but in her mind, she was in her like, mind, she just kept on thinking about it, and she kept on thinking about it when she went to that mm-hmm. rich friend's house. Yeah. And then it, <laughs> oh gosh, um, she was interested. She was just like, no, I don't do my own assignments. I pay for that. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Why would you do your own assignments? But it was it was you just pause. interesting to see. Yaz contrasting to Ama, especially mm-hmm. as Ama now is now at the peak of her career and for her own daughter to look at her and say, yeah, mom, <laughs> I don't think this feminist thing really makes sense. You know, yeah. they're like a whole bunch of non-binary people. What is gender anyways? It's just a social construct. And you know, like, mom, you're kind of hypocrite. You're at these very expensive cafes. Mm-hmm. And yeah, no. So I thought Yaz was just the perfect 19 year old and i really <laughs> the perfect 19 year old who's kicking ass because she's doing a whole bunch of stuff writing for yeah. her newspapers her. and gal them and all of these things and, and she has she has a clear idea of what she wants her future to be yeah and nobody's gonna stop her from getting that even while she tries to figure out the world right now yeah that's what i really liked about yes i wish i was, I wish I was yes. as confident as yes when I was 19 or even now, because she just don't take shit from nobody. Um, but I really like to, to see the dynamic of Amal's and Yaz's relationship because, I mean, the, fir- mm-hmm. the, the Amal story is the first one and it opens up and it, the book and it just shows us her being this super um, confident, super secure in herself. You know, she's lived all of these many lives and now she's getting the recognition and then you see her like flip in Yaz's eyes where she's not on this high pedestal where she's not this top shot that she thinks she is and Yaz or is critiquing y- and yes, dragging her. She's dragging right? her. When I started reading Yaz's part I was like, "Okay, what?" National theater, right? Yes. <laughs> but then I saw yes, everyone else like, talking okay, about Amma. And I was like, okay, yes, you're just doing that thing like, that yes, children does. Like, not impressed. <laughs> she's you're like, just okay, doing that thing so that what? children does. It, it, it's fine. You're just a child. You but know? I love how her yeah. parents have um, 
grown her to be this just this child that asks questions yeah She's like i love when they started regretting it <laughs> it's like you <laughs> shouldn't have created this independent child but i don't know great her parents or her her, her, her mom because i mean her dad uh, i don't know what's going on she drags him. her dad for filth though yeah. i mean i kind of deserve it so. he which does, one, he does. which one the the, the professor one? professor yes. yeah but she does she call the other one dad? No, she doesn't. No, she doesn't call him dad. She yeah. calls him by his first name. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But um I don't know. Yaz's Yaz and Amal's relationship too. You almost see Amal the only person in the world who she wants that uh, like that seal of approval from is Yaz. And she rarely I don't know if she gets it at all in Yaz's story, but it just feels like it felt like she never got it. Like, you know how parents try hard to be hip and to be, you know, cool cool and connect with their their young children. It just, it felt like Amal was doing a lot of that. <laughs> Another mother-daughter relationship is Carol and Boomy, which is in chapter mm. two. Oh, God, a, a deep sigh. <laughs> what is that deep sigh? I, I think my favorite character thus far because i'm not finished yet um is boomy i loved her story um you know to be fair or to be honest i also really liked carol's story and uh, i find my i found myself being sympathetic towards her because of her experience and um i their, their relationship reminded me a lot of, of my mom's relationship, me and my mom's relationship. There's something about it that you're always kind of there for each other, but there's not, you can't really say everything that you want to say. There's still a lot. You're not hiding, but you're withholding because you don't know if you can be your true self. You don't know if the other person would accept you. And I don't know, like I, I found them. I mean, I guess that it got better because... When Bumi, you know, uh, married co- coffee. Oh, coffee. 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 Sorry, sorry. Like, coffee. coffee. <laughs> when Bumi married coffee. Um, it's going to be a thing where you just mispronounce everyone's name. <laughs> I'm, I'm not mispronouncing, okay? I'm questioning whether <laughs> this is the correct pronunciation. But yes, coffee and Bumi, they got together and... Uh, um. Carol was just like, yeah, he's a keeper. And so you, you, you see that intimacy that has developed over the years of them both trying, but also, I guess, because it's so difficult, sometimes you just can't bother and you just make the person do whatever they want to do. And whatever happens, happens. But there's always like a very playful dance between Carol and Bumi that I appreciate. And that reminded me a lot about my own mother mother daughter relationship and it's also where um boomy is coming from and i think that's so common for immigrant parents for african and caribbean parents whenever they get to whichever predominantly white country america canada uk Mm -hmm. um just this intense desire for your child to succeed um, and then knowing their own personal history of, let's use the word that Jerrine hates, struggle, their own um, 
the the sort of obstacles that they had to face and this not wanting your child to face this obstacle and so you push them to succeed um we always hear especially if you've ever watched scandal where that famous discussion between Olivia and her father where her father tells her that I've taught you that you need to be two times better than them you need to be two times faster to get two times quicker what, yeah. to get a half of what they have and it's a true mentality when you exist in a predominantly white empire country. Mm-hmm. So we see that and we see where that became a point of contention for the both of them. Because yeah. we, we see where when Carol went off to university, and we'll get more into her story, I think. Um, but when she went off to university in her first semester, she hated it because she was she was she never she was an outcast yeah. um, in this elite university where it's predominantly white but also really rich and here she is this black girl from an immigrant parent um poor and then not fitting in not finding any way to fit in and then she comes home and she tells her mother listen i don't want to go back here anymore i I don't want to be here. And Boomi was just like, uh-uh. She pulled out her Boomi's speech like, nah, there. no sis. She said, Oprah Winfrey. <laughs> she wouldn't be the person that First she is. Black woman MP of, of the UK. Yes. And I was just like, I'm uh, honest. massive guilt trip. Yeah. It was a guilt trip, yeah. Um, I So I listened, I read and listened to the book. Maybe we should do a summary. Of Carol. Yeah, sure. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> and Shirley. Okay. Is this Charlie? Uh, Mrs. Pena. Mrs. No, it's Carol Boomi and Natisha, chapter Let's two. Oh, so. yeah. So, just for a quick summary to catch you guys up if you haven't read it yet, and then we jump back into it. Um, so, we're introduced to Carol, who is, again, on the tube. I don't know why. Um, but she is very much the workaholic. She is into her job. She's an investment banker. She's the VP for one of the biggest banks in the UK. So, everybody who is important in the investment world knows Carol. And she is obsessed with being on her phone. But as, but as far as she's concerned, at least what she's doing on her electronics is making her money. And it's part being of her productive. work and being productive. And it's kind of really hard for me to like her at first. And then we get some backstory into mm-hmm. what Carol's life is about. Yeah. And we get to understand that a lot of what Carol, Carol and her relationship with just society is a lot of it grounded in the relationship she had with her mother, the relationship she had with her friends and being at school and later being in the university and what that was like assimilating into university and a very white world. You guys want to get more into the summary? Or? <laughs> yes. So Carol's story is, um, so we have this very tragic moment of her being trigger warning gang raped. I don't think that's how trigger warnings work. <laughs> you don't say it right before you say, <laughs> you the, say the actual thing. thing. All right, I think we can put this in the show yeah, notes. <laughs> yeah, we can put that. Yeah. So she gets um gang raped. I don't remember if it was actually gang raped. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was. Guy. Yeah. Um and we see where that completely affected her as it would her um her mentality and just how she saw herself and how oh, she saw sorry, her future yeah. and she got extremely depressed and 
she sort of got a wake-up call. I can't remember what exactly that point was. Um, but it's like she didn't want to, she didn't want to be like the other girls that lived in her in her community and in her environs. She didn't want to become one of the teenage mothers. And I'll mention that a little bit later. I found it very interesting the way that she perceived the people in her environment. And so what she did was she reached out to one of the stricter teachers at her school and got a lot of support and help from that teacher, Mrs. King, who also has support a story in the book. And help? By support, I mean... Or torment. My God, that lady was just... And she took the credit too, which was... I mean, that's very teacher-like. <laughs> it is. Yeah. And so as a result of that, as a result of being pushed to pull up herself by her bootstraps... Um, she got in. She got better grades, and then was able to get into Oxford. And uh, we also have Boomi. Oh, just Who's before you got to Boomi, um, mm-hmm. for me the whole change with Carol was very interesting because before the actual gang rape, she her thoughts and her perceptions to her mother was just positive. It wasn't mm-hmm. overly positive. It was just very much. This was the woman who taught me to love math she loved doing yeah, math and quadratic her and, mother too. yeah and her mom was brilliant her mom was really smart and then after the young rape there are sections where she's talking yeah a lot about women around well just the people around her i don't think mm-hmm. she really specified women um but she started real she started seeing her mom in a very different light and i thought that was very curious so there are sections where she's talking about she doesn't want to be getting low-paying jobs like her mom. Doesn't want to be able to never be able to afford my own home like mom, or take children right. on holiday yeah. to the zoo like mom, or to the mo- or I want to be able to take my children on holiday or to the zoo. Not just the church. Not just the church or any fun fair happening or just the movies like my mother. And it was just so interesting to me that that one thing shifted how she saw her mother. How she saw her friends that she was hanging out with in school, even though she was getting good grades, she was still very much hanging out with Letitia. The quote unquote bad girls. Oh my god, waste man. <laughs> so it, But then it's can you can we say that once we know Letitia's story? We can't just, you know, dismiss or I mean, that's what this book that's what this book does, where you make you make all of these opinions and then and you Bernadine sit the back is like ding 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 let yeah. me tear that down. Yeah. It was just so interesting to me just how much her perception of her mother changed after. And why? That's I don't know. Yeah, it, it's so never we never quite spelled out. Yeah, that's not it's not spelled well, out. I remember highlighting it. I was just like, wait, just a few pages back, you were just so happy to be doing math and that was mm-hmm. your fun time with your mother. And now it's just like how happened to you seeing your mother's being very brilliant? And I wonder if her is. interactions with Mrs. King um perhaps shaped her perception of her mother. Maybe. Because Mrs. King turned out to be, um, well, we'll get there in her story. But anyway, she she became this sort of hard person. As, as she said, she sort of tortured her into not becoming a statistic, quote unquote. And uh, so I'm wondering if there was a point in that sort of tutoring that happened where because of how Mrs. King perhaps would have uh, talked about 
what would happen to you if you don't become a certain person mm-hmm. in Britain if that then helped to shift the perspective of how she saw her mother? I don't know. And I don't think Boomi and Carol ever really had in-depth conversations mm-hmm. about Boomi's about, past. Yeah. Before, like, she just knows that her mother foot back tough because foot back. <laughs> should be interesting for people who aren't Jamaican. <laughs> so her mother foot back tough because she used to walk in for right. herself. Whatever, and, but I don't think she actually... Doesn't knows. know that her mom has a degree in math. Maybe, she knows, maybe she degree. knows that, but I don't think she knows the extent of her mom's story. And then at the end of the day, not a lot of people do know the extent of their parents' stories. That's true. And um, just to add a little bit more about um, Carol's story. So when she, after the drama of her first semester in college, and she went back University. at Oxford, college. Sorry, my bad. <laughs> Oxford <laughs> University. So when she went back and Jorain mentioned assimilation, it's as if she completely immersed herself into this posh, this elitist sort of person. And then the friendships that she had, it completely helped her, helped to push yeah. her into this sort of elitist yeah. Um, way of seeing the world and seeing and she started looking down on her mother because right. of that. and her mother mentioned it her mother She'd was like you f- forgot your roots yeah I, I just thought how interesting how quickly that backfired because when she was there the first semester carol was felt like a complete outsider mm-hmm. she was the only black person there um she thought everybody was staring at her she thought everybody hated her and i completely 110 percent get that mm-hmm. sense of anxiety mm-hmm. Especially if you aren't used to being around posh white people all the time, it can come with this We're weird sense of anxiety. Vacations that in countries you've never heard about. Yeah. <laughs> she's, she said she's never been on a plane. She's never really eaten in a restaurant that had waiters and all of that. And then, of course, nobody's having those conversations. So she felt even further alienated. So even if there were people from Carl's class, it was not easy to connect with them. And then she, even though she was getting really good grades, she comes home after the first semester and says, yo, I don't want to go back to school. And her mom gives her that amazing Oprah speech. Yo. That Ashley talked Listen, about. if you, if you um, listen to this book, the voice actor who did Bumi's story, amazing. When she, when she did the speech, <laughs> the speech, I listened, I kid you not, I listened to Bumi's story maybe about six times. That's why, the book that's why I don't finish the book because I'm always I like I've re-listened to Boomy's story and I re-listened to Latisha's story several times because I just found I found those two stories to be super. They're they're they just capture me, man. Them just uh, them deep, and I just feel like uh, people. I just don't understand why some people have to struggle so. Why is why life why life have to be so hard for some people and some people? Um, Freddie. Carol's fiance. Oh my God! Him, him drop. He did poorly in school, but still have job await for him. All he mm-hmm. have to do is fill out paperwork, and I'm just like, yo, this is insane. How there are people who are so privileged, and there are people who just do not have the access to any of that. Yeah. So, <laughs> but, but I guess that's what Carol's trying to avoid as much as possible. I mean, so yeah. she decided, yo, that she was my gonna... tool for getting out of this is to assimilate. That's how I saw her story oh. as. So second semester, she's like, all right, I'm going to have to do this. The grades alone not going to cut it. I need to start eating, what is it, Spanish omelette instead of English omelette. <laughs> and I need to start doing this. And then I need to start eating sushi. And 
what is this guacamole guacamole <laughs> as it's pronounced and all sorts of and then she's changing a lot about herself but then she's in doing that she's also realizing that if i'm supposed to hold on to anything that i had before whether it's where i actually grew up from or any of the nigerian culture that my parents had to me i'm never going to be that type of success yeah not gonna be the oprah and i thought it was very interesting that carl just happened to not find any black people attractive mm-hmm. i'm i'm pretty sure there's some underlying reason there but i mean dominique did the same thing too dominique did the same thing until she met yeah until she met i think for i think for carol carol probably in her entire transition into the whatever she is into this elite woman i think she perhaps thought that in order to not be fully accepted because she'd never be fully accepted but the as if the next step to being a part of this community is to have a white partner and i think there was a point where she mentioned um black men yeah, and did. white partners i can't remember she, exactly what that was um, she said um she was saying that it's not like she never found black men attractive it's just that in that space that mm-hmm. she like it's almost as if the black people who were in the space, there were so few that they knew that they couldn't stick together. Mm-hmm. They had to be like, you know, it's like when you see a black person in a predominantly white space and you do nod because you're just mm-hmm. like another black face. Where it kind of reminded me of uh, Obama's story. I don't know if you guys watched Barry on Netflix when. Bef- okay, so no. <laughs> before he was Barack Obama and he was like a student at New York University, he went to. Where did he? Columbia? I think he went to Columbia. Okay. So I know he went to Harvard. Okay. So he had a white girlfriend. And I guess he had aspirations of being the president or being some top shot um, political figure. And I guess uh, from from that time, he was thinking about the optics and what it would look like and what it would mean as a black man with uh, mixed race children Mm -hmm. and a white wife so i think like people curate their lives the lives that they want from really early and i I think i mean maybe we do it subconsciously so that's why we have resolutions and goals and we check in on each other to see if you if you met that yet but there's some goals and some ways that we try to craft our lives that are a little bit more What's the word am I looking for? I don't know. Like, <laughs> I'm like wondering strict. if a part of if a part of her not wanting to um have any of the experiences her mother have had, sorry, um, is partnering with someone white and then having your children be not visibly black. Yeah. Um and Bobby not, spoke about that. Or too. being 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 mixed would afford you with a little bit more privilege having this um generational wealth from your father would make you a little bit more privileged give you a little bit more access than i had yeah. i don't think carl was thinking about children i think she was thinking about herself um and the type of like life she carol wants to have and not necessarily i mean she i guess love children- freddie though so that's interesting it it's yeah, I'm oh happy that she, it turned out that he I thought Freddie was just so he was really annoying. 
Yeah, I'm glad that Boomy liked him because from Kyle's perspective, I found him very annoying. I found him a lot more tolerable and it was through Boomy's eyes. Mm-hmm. I guess because she doesn't know him as well. Mm-hmm. I found it so interesting how they ended Carl's chapter mm-hmm. with saying, well, this is Freddie talking. Yeah. He said his parents wanted him to marry someone whose lineage, like theirs, could be traced back to William the Conqueror. You should have seen their face when I told them. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the end of mm-hmm. Carol's chapter. I was just like, what? Yeah. Your, your, your husband is amused by the fact that his racist parents right. would be would be terrified. Life is a like, game for some people, you know? I definitely thought Freddy's that he fetishized her. Oh I don't think he fetishized I really her. did. I don't think. Really? Reading it, I was just like, he's just, because re- he's like, he's an honorary Nigerian. I'm an honorary, yeah, he said that in Boomy's story. And I was like, I was like, a part of me. And he as was much as, to, as, as much as Nigerian food is great, that guy was too excited. Yeah, I'm sorry. I was like, no, I was thinking to myself, yeah, maybe that he guy, does love her. But he reminds me of that guy in um, How to Get Away with Murder, the, the white I don't watch guy. That well you don't watch that? I don't watch that. <laughs> I was gonna say he reminds me. His name me is Connor. Um, oh my her husband. Yeah. Uh, I don't think I get. Enough, I don't get enough. I don't think I get enough of their intimate life to have that perception of him but definitely with freddie freddie just look like as much as he might like her he Swirl. likes black. he's a guy that jokes about it. swirling yes he likes it. he can chocolate. show up at an afrobeats party and have his <laughs> black girlfriend and say nigerian phrases and think it's really don't cool. have a trouble in the world yes and i think that because of his it's perspective cool. it's cool and uh, I mean, and she's smart and he's that's the thing he kept on playing up like she's a smart C plus person. and she is she is ahead of the game like she's VP at this bank and and he will just be the host husband he wants yeah. to just be the host husband and I was and just Kyle like I thought that was so progressive oh my god I guess we can talk about progressive husbands a bit further in the book but anyways but well, we can talk about Boomy's story because yeah, I think it was so interesting oh again god. to see from the and this one is a reverse though it was in, it was Amma's perspective on Yaz and then Yaz's perspective, the mother-daughter mm-hmm. thing. But now you're getting the daughter's perspective on the mother. And then the mother's perspective completely changes yeah. a lot for me. Yeah, me And too. you listened to her story six times, so yeah. I think you can summarize <laughs> it. Um, well, Boomy's story, you see, we start off with the, the with her trying to be supportive of Carol. Um, when Carol said that, you know, mom, I want to quit this. I'm not meant to be here. She gave her the Oprah speech and the um, first the British senator or whatever MP. it is. MP, sorry, yeah. And, you know, uh, stories of powerful black women and saying that you don't... What is the Jamaican story about? Uh, if you want good, you know, that's a run. That's the saying. Yeah. So if you want good, you know, that's a run. So suck it up and just do your thing. So you see that Bumi is a supportive mom. She wants the absolute best for her child. But her story peels back different layers of her life. You see her own relationship with her mother um, back when they were in Apollo in Nigeria and then Lagos after you get a little bit of history in of Nigeria with the oil industry and how hard it was for a lot of people to make a living. Um, a, a safe living. Yeah, and how it impacted their families. Um, Bumi's father died when she was young. Uh, her grandmother, her grandfather wanted to marry her off to get the dowry. And uh, 
she was basically living with her mom um until she was about 15 when her mom died from some sort of factory accident and then she went to a relative and she was a child slave basically domestic slave no what do you call house girl house house girl um she was able to go to university where she met her husband what's his name again Mm. Augustine. Augustine. Yeah. Augustine. And them go fine. And them he died young ish. Yeah, he died uh on the job too. And uh, so I th- I think it's uh, the Bumi story it builds gradually because you see her as like a strong maternal figure, but then you see like Bernadine takes us through her life and we see her just being more confident um when she decided that yo her she's gonna do the thing that her husband was unable to do i'm gonna you we see the the exchange that she makes with the pastor in order to be able to get the money that she needs to start her business the exchange yeah. that is the most <laughs> graceful way i've ever heard prostitution being put <laughs> Well, I she said that that was her first transaction. She did that. I was extremely. I was not impressed. I, I felt. Really I felt like I felt like this is this. She shouldn't have to do that. Mm. And she said that you know, if she never did that for her to get the money the right way, it would have taken her years. twice as long, and she would have no, got quarter the years. money. Yeah, she said like two years, and she'd be able to get a quarter of the exactly. money. Exactly. Mm. So and she you has, know what can happen in two years when you're saving the amount of emergencies that will yeah. pop up. Exactly. So I mean, I mean, she did what she had to do, and she got her money. She started her cleaning business, and she did the damn thing. We see, and I think Bumi's story is interesting too because we see her in, being interested in women and falling for. I would use that she fell for her. Yeah, right? yeah. But falling for this a woman and i think we don't get those type of stories that well i haven't read a lot of stories like that where middle-aged women can have love interests can want and desire sex can want and desire same sex relationships and so that was that was interesting i think bumi is a, a well-rounded character we see her being firm we see her being soft we see her being um in between and uh, I that's why I think she's my favorite. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like Boomy could have all these characters could have gotten their own book, but I feel like Boomy's character had everything. She had love, she had career, she had tragedy, yeah. she had this daughter that uh, just Success. a driver. <laughs> yeah. And it was just such an interesting build up um in terms of her falling in love with her husband, him dying. She's just deciding, okay, you know what? I'm going to make this as a career woman. She decided she's going to be headstrong in her career. And then in her path for career, she found falling in love twice yeah. in the workplace that she created. What's the name of the lady again? Is it Umfe? Umfe? I think it's Umfe. Okay. <laughs> but she was also interesting. I thought she was going to be the second story. I was like, no, Jane, it needs to link back to Carol. Uh, the third story. Um, because in the end, it's like, oh, she find another woman that she did, was staying right? with. So I was like, okay. Um, and she, but she never got over Bumi. And then Carol having to have her white son-in-law and dealing with the parents-in-law and all of that. That she had, right. But Carol, 
Boomi well, having to deal with Carl's white husband and their white parents <laughs> and their old wine. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought she made a good point. Yeah, Yo, she made some solid economical points when she when she went in the speech about British people looking down on immigrants because them buy bulk food and how she's the one who is really supposed to be giving them financial advice, advice mm-hmm. because all them care about is like, advertising no, labels in pretty glass bottles and i was just like drag me okay, <laughs> I, I love a good design okay and i will buy something because it looked pretty no, that's fight me. me fight um, me i thought i i really said to boomy that i was just like yeah no i'm buying shit wholesale I, mm. um i thought too that um Bernardine did a good job of showing us um, the experience of uh, immigrants when they come into yeah. these countries. Uh, we saw how they're, even though they had their master's degree, like Bumi, she has her master's degree in math and how... I don't think it, she had her master's. I think, it wasn't? It's, I think she it had was a first, first class first degree. degree. Okay, yeah. So, but her husband had a PhD. PhD, yeah. right. And ended up driving cabs. Yeah. Right, so that. So um, moving to these countries and uh, your education is not respected. It's, uh, it's, not even, it's not seen as the level, at the level that um, they have in their countries and how, it's diffi- how difficult it became for them to get that, though this isn't in America, that American dream. Yeah. Um, the struggle... <laughs> no, I hate saying that word. But the obstacles that they had to face in order to try to make ends meet, yeah. which they barely did. And I guess the reason why I said I was impressed with Bume making that decision to say, listen, I need this money mm-hmm. and this is what I have to do. Like, that was it. It was just um, like this tunnel vision. She knew what she wanted to do and she knew what she had to do to get it. And so she did what she had to do. Yeah. I found that impressive maybe impressive isn't the word to use but i i i thought to myself so this is a go-getter she's a go-getter and um i loved the story but i still haven't found that woman's name (laughs) but i loved the development of that um relationship with her and it was delicate it was soft it was tender and i think boomy realized some things about herself she she i think uh, having her husband died for so long and then having that sort of intimacy it was new it was great she felt a lot of pleasure but she also felt loved and i think that was excellent and as you said in her middle age um we don't i don't think we get a lot of story her name is omofe i think omofe yeah <laughs> um we don't we don't see a lot of stories of middle age um women loving women mm-hmm. we don't see that a lot there's usually an obsession with youth and i think too that topic of youth is something that bernadine explores um she explores a lot about how youth is prized and as soon as you get older you sort of become disposable you're mm. no longer needed or wanted i think penelope's story yeah Pene- penelope i think penelope solidified problematic ideas yes penelope is just like I realize that these people don't like you when you're old. That as soon as you pass or you get to a certain age, you're no longer it. Men no longer want you. Um, 
your children sort of don't no longer want you and it becomes this whole other dynamic that you now have to navigate mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and uh, i thought that was great too and just like outside of the personal stories again bernardine i think she she does such a great job and i was watching an interview that she did with christian amampur and she That's she meant, sent in the group yeah okay. she said that uh, in Britain, you don't get a lot of stories about black women. Um, she said that there are about eight black authors that she can think of in the UK. And there are not a lot of stories about black British women and their lives and the spectrum of their lives. And so this entire collection is just an ode to black women i think as much as not all of the characters were black or identified themselves as black this is sort of an ode to black women to black women who are not just cis black women who are not just heterosexual um the others and i thought that was great yeah i'd really love to see this collection as a series i think Issa Rae would do really well with trying to tell no no no, no. what no. why during why should she because she's great at telling stories yeah no let's give a black, black british, british woman girl. the chance to yeah, do it i am story. actually quite tired of black um, black americans Ooh, telling the story it. of other I'm black poor. people it's fine it's a you're great but yeah no do your thing in mm. your lane I, I um I, I saw well I read another interview with Bernadine and she and Candice Carter Williams who wrote Queenie were talking about for the year they were trying to count how many stories have been how many fiction stories have been written about black women for the year. Mm-hmm. And they could literally only count their two books Ooh. for twenty nineteen. So no, Ooh. black America. Ooh. You are very much in the spotlight. Yeah, it's, they dominate the mainstream I mean, fair, in terms yeah. of um, representation with black women. And so, which is why Bernardine said, I needed to create this story. I need, and not just uh, not just one story. I'm not going to let you have just and one And they use that as the idea. story. And use that as the story for women. black British women and what they've been through. No, you're going to get 12 different women. Well, mostly. Mostly, yeah, mostly black. Mostly women. And mostly women. Mostly, um, if they're not immigrants, they're from immigrant parents or have some um, immigrant background. background. (laughs) 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 And uh, we're going to explore those stories and we're not going to, none of it will be flat Mm -hmm. again, which is what I loved about it. I really loved how textured these characters were, how complicated they were how some of them were downright unlikable and just annoying. But again, I don't think she's not writing this for you to like them. She's not trying to impress you with these characters. She's giving to giving giving them to you how they are. You choose to do what you want with them. You choose to have whatever opinions you want of them. But these are their realities and this is how they exist. Yeah. I think that's also true for Latisha in terms of her reality. Um, so we're introduced to Latisha briefly in Carol's story. Is her childhood friend, 
yeah. um, who is very rebellious, very much school is for losers kind of attitude. Um, she doesn't like doing schoolwork. She skips PE all the time because she says she's on her period and nobody's going to check to see if her tampon is full anyways. <laughs> um, she's very much that character. She's also the one who hosted a party at her house. Um, which she and Carl remembers very differently. Um, I thought that was really interesting. I thought too. that was so interesting. Yeah. And I kept on wondering what difference it would have made if Carl had said something to, to Latisha. Mm -hmm. um, what how different Carl's life would have been and how different Latisha's life could have possibly been then. And Maybe nothing would have changed yeah. or I don't know. What um, their friendship would have looked like if they mm -hmm. would still have a friendship. Because of a, yeah. So Latisha, who currently works at a supermarket, she's a she's a manager, and she is working her ass off to stay on top. She wants to, to become promoted. promoted. Mm -hmm. She has a near perfect record. She got employee of the month like three she times, is, yeah, and something or six else, times or something. supervisor. She's put herself through night yeah. school. Um, she she's working super hard. She also has three children for three different fathers. She has seems to have a great relationship with them. And it's just very interesting to see how Letitia and Carl's life are so different. Mm -hmm. um, I'm trying to remember if Letitia had seen Carl or if it was just no, one of her friends. Her friend. one yeah. of her she friends saw her so. online, though. Yeah, she searched she for her online and saw mm -hmm. that she was a big VP for some bank kind of thing. Um, but yeah. So Latisha was very much that character from, I think we all knew, I don't know if you guys were that person in school, but we all knew that person in school that was very much, yeah, no, I'm not doing this. Yeah. So it was very interesting to see Latisha and Carol and kind of sandwiched by Boomy in and that. And we also, as Ashley had mentioned before, we, we get confronted, our biases get confronted, because when we're introduced to Latisha in Carol's story, you automatically think, oh, this is the mean girl that just, she bad minds her friend bright, she um, vexed because her friend got the boy what she like, and we have these sort of precons. Well, we might not. No, 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 yeah, I was just thinking about the whole vexer friend got yeah. the boy that she like, but then not the actual story, as in boy that is. boy raped her for fucking serial rapist <laughs> yeah serial rapist. yeah because oh she met Letitia met him later, later on in life. but yeah we saw how we we get these preconceived ideas of how Letitia is and then we get to Letitia's story and Bernadine peels back yeah. all of those layers and she's like all right let me tell you the real story of Letitia's life which yeah. is that she had a really great relationship with her parents her parent I think in a sense, she might have idealized her parents' relationship. And like she was her dad's favorite. She was her dad's favorite. Her dad and her her dad and her mom had this really great relationship. They were very affectionate and loving towards them. And then him just dip. He just left. The man just dip. You know what? Like when I read that, I had to go back a few pages. I was Did like, please don't make it a Jamaican man. Please don't make it a Jamaican <laughs> man. Cannot deal with another monster story. Rat. I was like, okay, fine. So just Caribbean another Caribbean man <laughs> just being awful <laughs> but, um, yeah so her dad her dad just leaves her mom 
um, and go with another go woman another with woman. her mother's friend from work from work who is uh, he's also the father of their child of her <laughs> so, child it was such a caribbean story it was such a caribbean and then story. i'm just left like him left and him just leave himself all night everything and nothing like and he wrote like a note or no something? no no she finally latisha's mom finally got through to her oh to him and he explained all of it right Right. and her mother who's a social worker went into a state of serious depression Mm -hmm. and latisha was kind of left to fend for for herself herself and her younger sister and to deal with the heavy emotions of having a parent who's your favorite parent like yeah well maybe not favorite no like no but you were his favorite oh yeah oh yeah so So how can you abandon the the thing the thing that you love you said that i love the most i'm your favorite (laughs) and you did all of this and then you're just going cut i remember her saying that she didn't want to tell anybody because she thought something they would think something was wrong with her something was wrong with her family what could you do to have me your father your father just your father who in your mind is like amazing and perfect so she just told people that he died which i mean (laughs) he did he just gone but Latish, sorry, you were. No, no, no. I wanted to learn a little bit more about, or read a little bit more about her mom's story, Latisha's mom, because that must have been really traumatic to go through, um, to be so the the person that's responsible for two children. Um, I didn't really and understand, and she's worker. a social worker too. I mean, when Latisha got pregnant, I think the second time, and her mom threw her out, or maybe it was the first time. She was like, "Yo, I deal with um people like you every single day at work. I don't want to come home to that." So I oh, can just was so that was hard. <laughs> that was hard. But I can I feel like I can see both sides where mm-hmm. that type of work is emotionally taxing, mm-hmm. you know, and you feel like, okay, well. I know the signs. I can look out for them in my own family. Um, I yeah, I just feel like maybe she was confronted. By yeah, that. she was confronted by the fact that she failed she as it. a fair as a parent and as a social worker. Mm-hmm. And so I just I don't like it was that Latisha's story was hard because it was also super loud, but it was uh, the family the family dynamic of it was just uh, it did nice, but. And then, you find, <laughs> and then you find out that the guy who left, um, Latisha's dad, isn't the father of her younger sister. I didn't understand that. Um, is the uh, is it the younger or older? I think she's older because she, she said younger? that this the story the mom said was that she's younger. Um, she's younger. What's the Latisha? Wait, the Latisha sister. I mean, sister? you listen to it. How much, how much? I, think, I, no, I, I didn't. think Latisha is young. Not Latisha. I think Latisha is older. Yes. And the sister is younger. But then yeah. the mother said that by the time she, she met left. Latisha's dad, she was pregnant, pregnant. with somebody else's. Yeah. That and then he said that he would take the baby and raise it as her own, as his own. So that would indicate that. But I the, think from from reading it, I got the sense that the sister was younger. Not that it matters. When I was raising it, to be quite honest, this was one of my first criticisms in the book. I did not think that was necessary. I thought it was just such a strange side <laughs> path. And I was just like, huh? Because it felt like it didn't have any sort of, like, what were you leading to? Yeah, I don't this? know. It was just meant like, to confuse the reader. <laughs> I don't know. I think that was my first critique in the book where I was just like, um, I kind of really 
do without, do without that part of the story mm-hmm. so I could focus on the story. What I mean? I could have do without the sister in general because she never really made an impact. Like, I mean, she became important later oh. in terms of helping to take care of um, Letitia's yeah. children. Barely, though. But it felt like, I don't know. I wasn't, it was all right, I guess. I mean, it's kind of like, you know, when it's, it's like complaining that your champagne isn't bubbly enough. Like the book is so great <laughs> that when it's just like, yeah, I mean, there's that one. That wasn't yeah. I what I thought, what I liked too was how differently Carol and Letitia's definitions of success were. So Letitia, Letitia is super excited about her managerial position or well, her supervisorial position and the possibility of being promoted to something to something higher within her workspace. And I don't think after Googling or looking up Carol that she felt slighted in any way. I think she was perfectly fine with where her life was and perfectly fine with how she managed to get past a lot of the, a lot yeah. of these obstacles. Cause we saw as well where she experienced sexual assault. Mm-hmm. No, well, full on rape. Yeah. yeah um so we saw that and we also saw where saw where she grappled with whether it was her fault yeah. um just like carol did yeah just like carol that man specializing specializes in raping yeah. women and having them feel like it's their fault because she afterwards she was just like heck? i don't i was it me I don't know. She talks about calling him after. Oh no, she was waiting for him. Waiting to call for him to call explain. to ask her if it was okay yeah. and if she had an okay time, if she was all right, and that was very confusing for her. And uh, I'm I'm glad that she was able to process yeah. past that and get to where she was. Um, I disagree with the point that you made about her not her being comfortable in her life right now. I never got the sense that she was. I think. Uh, Latisha, I thought she was. I thought she felt good within herself. I disagree. I think uh, Latisha was able or has been able to compartmentalize her life and accept what it is right now. But she wants more. That's why she went to night school. And I think when she saw Latisha, um Carol's uh, picture on the internet, she was just like, "Wow, she's a VP. She really did well for herself." And she said something along the lines of, or she wondered something along the lines of if she thought about her or if she, I mean, like to me, Latisha, because she did also say that she's 21 and she has three children by three different fathers. So she's conscious of the mistakes in quotes that she's made in her life, not taking school seriously. And so that's why she's hard on her children in school because she knows how important it is. So she's playing catch up. And while she has accepted the role or the position she's in right now, she knows that there's a lot to learn and a lot to accomplish. And she can only do that if she buckles down and just does what she needs to do. Because she, she also spoke about the, the old Letitia and being happy mm-hmm. that she is able to, like when somebody's trying to call in sick, but she knows that them, they are Thailand and, mm-hmm. and the person is vexed because... Um, Latisha called him out on it. She was just like, yo, the old Latisha would have tell him something bad. And she was just like, well, you need to take that up with HR or whatever mm-hmm. it is because that's not my prerogative. So um, I think she's definitely growing because I think in, the, in, in her story, she's 21. 
She mm-hmm. or no, she's thirty. She's thirty because she spoke about uh, um being in a relationship with this guy and him yeah, wanting a relationship. She's in her early thirties. Yeah. Um, I guess I understand where you're coming from. I still think that she is happy that she was able to get hair. Mm-hmm. And, but I do think that she's extremely ambitious and that she wants more. Yeah, which is why sure. she's studying to become whatever the next step after the position she's in. Uh, so the way Las Fisher stories ends is her father showing up. Showing up and the... Anacross is... <laughs> for real and the the conflict that she feels when she realizes that her i think it was jordan yeah her youngest her, her youngest the one son. who's the son for the serial rapist yeah yeah it's janiel is a girl no jordan is the oldest and i can't remember what the other one is some j name there's jason Jason, 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 Jordan, and Janiel. Yeah. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Because the first child is a childhood security guard. Yeah. Yeah, but it's her youngest son that needed the guidance. The father in her life, in his life. Mm-hmm. And that's just where the story ends. And to me, it's I, just, yeah, abrupt. It's very abrupt, but at the same time, it's like it just comes full circle mm-hmm. with her knowing that she needed her father in her life and then him just being absent and all of the ripples that would have happened in her life and then the man just shows up again and how do you deal with that Mm -hmm. and it seems he sort of showed up at a good time when i say good quote unquote because then she she was thinking that her son that son needed or he seemed to have needed a father figure and then here comes this father figure (laughs) so interesting i wish i could pay for everybody's therapy because honestly i can't imagine that kind of emotional trauma that must be happening just because your father just disappeared and then reappears and then he left his original family to go to a new family and so what are they going through exactly oh my god uh the next chapter has shirley who is not quite Mrs. King yet, but later becomes Mrs. King, who I was not expecting to have a chapter. Me either. Uh, Me either. I thought she was white. Shook. I thought really. Surely, Mrs. King was white when Carol and Boomy were talking about talking? her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, no, yeah. when they were talking, when Carol was talking about fuckface, and mm-hmm. I thought she was a white older British woman. I was mm-hmm. not expecting Shirley's story. <laughs> not at all. When Missy Missy say, "Well up." Hold on. <laughs> what happened in Shirley's story? So we are introduced to a young Shirley who I think she just graduated college mm-hmm. and was yeah. getting ready to get her new job. She was very bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, very idealistic about education and wanting to wanting to be that. What's what? There's this the movie. Change. Be the change you want to see. Yeah. Type. <laughs> yep. That was her. Yeah. There's this movie I think um with Morgan Freeman. I've never watched it, but I've heard Ooh, a lot about um, it where he's just he's like the, the Great Debaters. No, it's not the Great Debaters. It's uh where he says something like he's the head negro in charge or something like <laughs> that. Anyway, it's like he's the he's the <laughs> he's the father figure for delinquent students, okay. right? Oh, so that's very Morgan Freeman. <laughs> mm-hmm. So Shirley, she has this very um 
pupil-centric idea about teaching. She believes in not just following the syllabus, but in answering the questions that her students have. So we see... Um, we teaching see, them history and making them open right. up to the world yeah. and understanding you know, teaching and them empathy. to be critical thinkers and be empathetic about um, discrimination and how that works. And then we also see a point where she meets up with an older teacher who we also get the story for, Penelope. We see um, that sort of dynamic between her and Penelope and the sort of conflict and hate that existed between her and Penelope. <laughs> because Penelope, um, well, Shirley, Shirley, Shirley didn't really have a voice um, when she just started out. One, they had a lot of male teachers and we know how men are, but they were especially annoying back in the day with Shirley. I, I can't remember the time for this one. I think it was, was it the 70s? It was the 80s? Yeah. So it was a lot of her voice being drowned out by these men and then her voice being drowned out by Penelope. But then we get to understand why Penelope was that way. And then we transition from a Shirley who was very interested in her students and seeing them succeed to a Shirley that didn't give a fuck anymore. And that's because they entered, I think Britain entered into a new phase of their educational system where um, the teachers had to have lesson plans and they had to follow these lesson plans. They couldn't deviate from it. Um, they started, the, the school started being populated by a wide array of students. They call it multiculti. <laughs> I thought that was really hilarious. So we get... Because it does yeah, a zoo. <laughs> um, so we get these different students coming from different backgrounds, different racial backgrounds, different socioeconomic backgrounds. Um, the school sort of becoming a little bit more militarized Um with metal detectors yeah. coming into the school, more cameras, more security guards. And it did literally become a zoo. And that whole, that aspect of the story for me was quite interesting because it's so reflective of the sort of educational system that we have mm -hmm. and the one that we have here in Jamaica too. Like I was passing some schools one day and I was like, don't these schools look like prisons? Like these buildings with these small windows and you just a wonder how offense <laughs> and so surely that sort of sucked the teaching life out of her the the love that she had for teaching before she even mentioned one time that um she she can't believe she used to think say students are supposed to get this access to education she can't believe she even she was that idealistic and naive and stupid she didn't use those words but she was basically saying that she can't believe she used to be like that because how school is now where they're allowing access to so many students it's ridiculous and we see as well how she her relationship with her husband lennox who acts as sort of a... <laughs> <laughs> ah, we'll talk about Lennox soon. Very soon. That man is trash. Oh, no, but he's so perfect. <laughs> he's great. He's handsome. The split he's the a cooking solicitor. and the cleaning. He cooks. We see this life. He fucks her mother. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that's Shirley. And... <laughs> 
we see what we see why um fuckface became fuckface she saw yeah. she became very she detached and dissociated from mm-hmm. teaching and from investing herself in teaching because if the educational system isn't going to give two shits about these students why the hell should i I think we see that all the time. I think I remember in high school when you had new teachers coming, especially new fresh teachers. Those were everybody's favorites right. because they were so mm-hmm. relaxed and chill and the teachers who've been there forever were just like so over it. Mm-hmm. And I remember I think it was a few months ago there were videos circulating of teachers cussing out students mm-hmm. in the classroom. Yeah. And threatening one and some both I never tell you about your mother and all sorts of things. And I was yeah. just like I read Charlie's story and I was like, I I understand. <laughs> yeah. I don't agree with what you're doing, but I but completely understand? understand that the entire educational system was not designed mm-hmm. for you to you move be from able small to... classrooms to this classroom filled with and then children are awful children. on top of it. They are. So yeah, that they're age, mean they're people. Just, they they're really mean. They're, going yeah. they're really mean. And hormones and this and that because Letitia wasn't cute when she was that age, and I'm sure she was very hard to deal with mm-hmm. i mean shirley spoke about how th- she would use a tampon excuse but she also used a grandmother dead excuse mm-hmm. and she, she was tempted to times. say you know how much time you must your your, your granny did and so, she remember when kids oh at first i thought it was kind of weird she's talking about kids would come with swastikas on their yeah skin. yeah but yeah. now she's dealing with kids who are stabbing people every yeah. now and then. <laughs> just with like, knives, like long knives to school yeah and, and, gangers, was just over it. and she's just, just so like, over yeah. it and it was just it's so done. interesting to me how even though she seemed so and she later became friends with penelope mm-hmm. who she at first thought penelope was this awful woman who mm-hmm just could not understand that these children all have needs and we mm-hmm. need to cater to them to just becoming another Penelope where mm-hmm. she was just like, yeah, no, these young teachers coming in, don't know what yeah. they're talking about. And the Lennox story was just so interesting to me because Shirley kept on being so grateful for having... He was like her solace from this From this whole world of ungrateful mm-hmm. children and her horrible school life, but she could come home to this man that she loves. It's cooking for her. They they, they have an understanding, together. even though after the years, you know, they weren't necessarily as cooking mm-hmm. all the time and clean, you know, yeah. but they still had their own thing. And then we read Winsome. <laughs> who seemingly hates her daughter. Yeah, it's like she she's extremely Christian Every second, she's just like this damn Shirley. Like, why always is Shirley so self-pitying? Always come. Shirley was probably hard to deal with, though, to be honest. Shirley did seem like she was very self-righteous. Yeah. And, and she, sort of self-centered. Yeah. And, yeah, but that does not excuse Winsome at mm-hmm. all. So, Winsome, who is the mother of Shirley, we meet in the next character in the next chapter and Winsome lives in Barbados she's a returning resident and with her husband Clovis Clovis. and even though Winsome was she was a bus conductor yeah Yeah. she's a bus conductor in the UK and Clovis was a driver coming back as we all know returning residents in Jamaica live used to I don't know if they're doing much more um, live a really good life Mm -hmm. and you're you're coming back with this British that accent. So of course, rate. that is that nice class thing that goes up. So even though she was with, she formed a book club with she a group or of, invited? or she was yeah. invited rather yeah. to a book club with a group of other returning residents. 
And that's when she started discovering her love for literature and poetry. And that's when you start going, oh, I like Winsome. Winsome is yeah. really nice. So that was it for me anyways. I and Winsome, at me like, yeah, she was like, she wanted to learn more because she wanted to contribute more to the debates that they were yeah. having. So she got a library. She got to read more. And she fell in love with these different Caribbean writers. And we're like, yeah, man. Oh, that's such a nice story. And then you find that she's sleeping with her daughter's husband. <laughs> or well, slept with. For an entire year whole ass year <laughs> like one good good year surely and, and they probably like, would have you know still continued it if he too. didn't call it off so even before that we saw the descriptions that she yeah. had for lennox she's like this handsome lennox um describing his broad shoulders and his and package looks and I in, my was so head, creepy. Yeah, in my head was i was like oh god look how surely i look the look her um you mean Winsome? Winsome, Alucar, Pitney, Osborne. Only for then, Bernadine says, nope, she did fuck him from before. <laughs> this is just new to you guys. And what's crazy is that um, Winsome says, better I do it than some other That one. was wild. <laughs> like, that was wild. Winsome, are you okay? But the thing is that, I mean, she said it too um, in her story where she didn't really know Clovis. And uh, I mean, while they came in, came from the same area, I think, in Barbados, oh, yeah. the same fishing community. It was only when they got to um, Britain that they found each other yeah. and they became friends. But then they kind of started mm-hmm. courting and then ended up in a relationship. She followed this man. To the small eyes, to, to, to be this fi- to be this fisherman and follow his dream, but like she said, um, that there was a moment where when he wanted to pursue this pipe dream, mm-hmm. um, where it occurred to her that she didn't really know this person, mm-hmm. and so it's interesting to think about the convenient relationships that we find ourselves in because the person is comforting or it reminds you of a place in your life that was And also she was she was a stranger there yeah. and he was familiar. Yeah, yeah. So that familiarity um made you feel like okay, well, something can be built with this person. But it never sounded like she, she particular him. she grew to love him, but she wasn't particularly attracted to him. Maybe it was the kind of love that was a little more platonic than it was romantic. Yeah. She wanted to be attracted to her partner, which is very understandable. And I think they stopped having sex. <laughs> they stopped having sex after a while. It's a very low bar. I want to be attracted <laughs> to my partner. And then here comes Lennox With tearing off her shoulders. And good is his... that she never knew that she'd be so excited to take him into her mouth. And when she like, she threw up, she threw up when she the, oh, the one and only the time, one she, time she, she did it with her with Clovis. She vomited. No, that yo, Winsome's story was messy. That's the messiest story. Yeah. <laughs> Have you read Penelope? No. So okay. I, I, <laughs> oh, I read up to Winsome, and for me, that's the messiest story thus far. I think Penelope is like a different type of mess. Um, yeah. But so Penelope is when I started reading, so I was like, why are we reading about this white this woman? This white woman. <laughs> I'm like, why? So she talks about her family in South Africa. That's how it starts off talking about her family in South Africa and how they're basically practicing slavery. They were. <laughs> and but but then the way she describes it is the way I typically 
hear white people describe also their family history in terms sort of, of sanitized very sanitized hardworking. they were hardworking on the plantation and the 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 workers decided that they didn't <laughs> take any whipping anymore so they they what do they catch the they catch the plantation yeah man and they whip him mm-hmm. and he he was so traumatized that he left them like sir you've been beating them all day and then, paying them very little there was a point and the one said, day them beat you you decide to yeah. run off to england these bad you're so Negroes. traumatized Ugh. And the way that they talked about the distribution of land. Of land. Like she said, my mother went back to, you know, just get a couple, get some acres, yeah. you know, because them did a giveaway just for free. Because it was the people who could afford to maintain the land. The government was giving land it to was people and a, it was just white people. It was I mean, it was so, I mean, if white the way that was it, written is <laughs> from the white perspective. Hilarious. I was just like, I know that this is what white people think. I just know. <laughs> oh, yeah, I just definitely. Know yeah you guys are gonna have a good time reading penelope's story if you haven't yet because it was just so she was the peak white feminist Mm -hmm. so we met penelope earlier in shirley's story and penelope tells her side of the story where she's been here in the school when it was only men Mm -hmm. in the school um she actually had a whole fight with her first husband about her being able to work work and she wanted the right to work and then there were women in third world countries who were working and taking care of their family and it was so funny to me because i remember i don't know if it was in this book or another book i was reading where they said that women in third world countries they're feminists in third world countries they're fighting for the right to relax well (laughs) feminists in the first world countries were fighting for the right to work that's funny and it was just so hilarious to me because that was exactly what it was she was fighting for she wanted to go to work and at first that wasn't what she wanted to do. She just wanted to get married and she found the, that most handsome guy in school. When everybody was thinking about pimples, she was already engaged. Her life did not And she was, she was sort of happy that he liked her for her not so whitish skin and her curly hair. Yeah. She had, I think they call it like, like freckles and yeah, strawberry type hair Easily tanned. Yeah, so she was very beautiful from what we got from it mm-hmm. and... She gets married, she has this amazing house and she has kids and then she just becomes very fucking bored and then she becomes what you assume like typical housewife. Then she starts reading. I love everyone mm-hmm. kind of discovers themselves in reading. <laughs> so she starts reading and she starts reading about feminism and she starts reading about women fighting for the right to work mm-hmm. and what other feminists were going through and then she realized her personal struggle of not feeling like herself, not feeling like she's living up to her potential is something that's almost a universal thing for women mm-hmm. globally. And she wanted to do something about it. So she brings up um, working with her husband, as in working, going back to work. <laughs> and he just says the most ridiculous things. What did he say? Hunter. Like, he's the hunter. She's the... Uh, <laughs> I, I hunt and you... You cook or something like or that. I'm the I'm breadwinner. Bread you're, you're the bread, the bread maker. maker. <laughs> just like, That's poetic, guys. Like, oh gosh, I need to find it. It was just so stupid, and he just had these ridiculous ideas about how families would be imbalanced mm-hmm. if this if both started working. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So it's me, Hunter. You homemaker. This is legit. I was talking. Me, breadwinner. You, bread maker. 
me child maker, you child raiser. It sounds kind of like how it sounds like a caveman. Mimic, yeah, yeah. <laughs> when people mimic cavemen. Yeah, that's exactly, and I think that was intentional. Yeah, she's like women in the third world who enjoyed the fulfillment of both motherhood and job satisfaction. I at that and line. I just thought it was so <laughs> hilarious because I was like, lady, <laughs> girl, who wants that? <laughs> no. You are asking for two full time jobs, and I think Shirley had said it before. Where yes, I was just about the, to make mm-hmm. that point where it's a um it's like it was a criticism of feminism mm-hmm. or like something that we never thought about because it's actually really fucking hard to do both mm-hmm. and the women are still expected to to do both in this day and age yeah. but um penelope's story was written in what year do you think hers um is, she's much older yeah she's probably so hers is like 50s 60s okay so when she was having that discussion so I get the impression she's probably in her seventies. Yeah, 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 she time, is. Yeah, in she's today's probably time, she's probably in her seventies. But it starts off from her being in high school, mm-hmm. okay. and well, a bit before when she found yeah. out she was adopted. When she was like fourteen or something like that, and so then it maybe kind of jumps 40s. a few years, and then her leaving her first husband because of the whole work thing, and him re- she realizing he was abusive. No, that, or that if she stayed, he would have been abusive because oh, yeah, the last time tried. she requested requested the last time she said i want to work he punched the the wall wall or the door i think the glass it was some glass thing and he said you're lucky this isn't this wasn't your face and then the the immediate line after was just like well at least i got the house in the divorce (laughs) (laughs) i thought it was was so hilarious i'm gonna pack my kids up (laughs) it's staying here it was hilarious because Mm. she is so she is the white feminist movies that you grow up watching and you not realize that there's no black people in the show mm-hmm. <laughs> because it's just so much of her and her being empowered and her being mm-hmm. so blinded by racial ideas because when she talks about the schools she is talking about when she just started she's working there she finally got her job she's left this man she's working there she now has i think she's she got a husband and then the started second working husband, her second husband is a psychologist he's an intellectual and he loved her, the idea of her working and being empowered and psychoanalyzing her <laughs> every single thing that she did which is really him being lazy as fuck he goes so what is it about your childhood that makes you want to <laughs> that not make that makes you not want to clean up my garbage that yeah. makes you not want to wash my. I, I thought you were here for progressive ideas. Why can't I just watch porn all the time? I he thought was, you were here for sexual liberation. Yes, like sir, you he can do that, but so this is not awful. a conversation. <laughs> so awful. He was so awful. Was yeah, awful. so she's the one who got he's like a three male times? feminist. Yeah, too. okay. So she's Boomy. Yeah, Boomy yeah. was talking about her. Yeah. So yeah. Boomy ends up becoming her, her helpful in mm-hmm. it and. So Penelope is working at the school with Shirley and Penelope talks about when she just started there, she was actually quite excited. She actually mm-hmm. sounded a bit like Shirley when she just started mm-hmm. there and she was excited because it was a school that catered to working class. And in the UK, when they say working class, they really mean white working class. It's yeah. like a hidden word. So they don't mean <laughs> you, you quote-unquote colored <laughs> white working class. It's it's white and now it's become this whole zoo this is the word zoo of of people who don't have please and thank you in their own languages and it's quite obvious and then she yeah, kind of just turns into this awful thing but then 
she actually makes comments of when Shirley stood up in the staff conference and she's like, why didn't she, well, she's like, why didn't she say that when a man was talking? Right. Why is it that only when I was talking, you had an issue like with it? Don't you know how much I have done for the school? And then she starts reeling about when she talked about, she brought up the equal pay for the mm -hmm. school and for, I think it's maternity leave or one no, of those. No, she, she did this up Shirley Bando when she was just like, um, she felt this was, I for yeah. one, I'm not a social worker yes. and you need to, you, you need to consider the fact that I have 15 years experience and you've right. just been here for two semesters. So sit down. So that yeah. was the thing. So it was like, I've put out I've been so here. much yeah. into been this school. Yeah. How dare you come to me and with I mean, this? But you she younger have a who don't know nothing. I don't know. I feel like that's such a... I think I see a lot in feminist spaces where mm. a lot of women who've been there for years tend to when they feel threatened yeah. the first thing they go when they feel threatened by an idea by a younger person it's mm. almost never to see if that has a point it's always i've been here for you years Sit here's my resume of which is why i was thinking maternity <laughs> and ego because that's always what jamaican yep. feminists draw for this is what i did well, this is what i did what have you accomplished yeah. and it's like uh, yep so I think that's what it was. Penelope so felt yeah. threatened. Because you by see this young here girl. where it's just like, you bring talking about lesbians and trans women. <laughs> you know what I have done? I ensured we had equal pay legislation come and maternity. And you come in here with your, your trans women. And, <laughs> and it's just kind of like, um, yeah. it's the same thing where Shirley was trying to bring up the racial inequality mm -hmm. in school and class. And Penelope was just like, yeah, no, I'm not having it. You know how much work I've put in? Why didn't you say something when the men when the were talking? Were. I have ventured it was better for all women and it was just in capital all. <laughs> like, okay. Yeah. But Penelope eventually meets uh, a nice a man she can settle with because mm -hmm. she ends up leaving the psychoanalyst psycho man because he was sleeping up, with a younger woman. She ends up sort of settling. Yeah, because she, cha <laughs> she changes so much of her her likes and her dislikes and what she wants to do to sort of acquiesce and please him mm -hmm. um but she's happy to do that um and i wonder if it's because she's older and she thinks that uh, um she won't be able to find love again just sort of wanting to ensure that she has that companionship and I, i'm guessing that's because of the era that she she would have grown up in where yeah. romantic pairings is the center of your life and so let me do what I have to do to get this man in my old age. I think that's exactly what happens because she talks about, because you can see her transition into from the housewife who was just so happy to be in the housewife mm -hmm. to being bored, to being exposed to feminist ideas and then reading about all these different things. And then she recalls in her much older years about how she used to be annoyed at men construction workers calling mm -hmm. to her on the road and now she's so grateful if anybody looks her way yeah. and she can't believe she used to be annoyed with that and she went on a blind date once and the man come and leave in like the <laughs> right. first couple yeah, seconds yeah when they when he realized so i think when she finally found a man who was of course of her caliber who was willing to spend time with her even if he has never read a book by a woman mm -hmm. and he thinks it's laughable Mm -hmm. to read books by women she's just um, like all right cool <laughs> yeah she's just like, like you know, yeah what? women are women are bad. yeah it's fine i'll read my books you can read your book kind of thing 
Um, so she definitely does settle. And I think it's just so tragic because mm-hmm. older men get the whole silver silver fox yeah. kind of foolishness and women, women don't get that at all. So Penelope settles yeah. hard for just another man rich man that she met in an exercise class. She- which is the I think it's the case for so many women. <laughs> the men they end up dating are completely unimpressive. And then we get to chapter four. Um what did you think about chapter four? Let me let first of all, let me talk about that last part of well, chapter four. Can I just say You're just going to skip with, to the last part? I just really wanted to mention that, but all right. So I when we got to Hattie's story, I was uninterested at first i was like do i i don't think that i want to learn about Hattie. wait morgan came before Hattie, yeah right? megan morgan, morgan um that's the name of the chapter yeah. megan morgan's story i it made me ask a question and it's a question that is really not important, but it's a question that's being asked now based on a book that was recently published, American Dirt. So this idea of writing stories that aren't yours. Um, well, writing a perspective um, of an identity, identity that you don't belong to. And I was questioning why I felt different about Bernardine writing this story about a non-binary character or a when sh- when they were Morgan, Megan, sorry, they were questioning their identity. They didn't feel um, comfortable, as comfortable in their body, but also still. And so we get the we get the story of Megan Morgan of really finally coming into their identity and the obstacles they had to face to come into their identity. We see where Morgan started out as having a mother who's very feminine and a mother well a mother who's very liberal but within her own personal spaces sort of still adhered to traditional femininity traditional masculinity and so when morgan presented in a masculine way her their mother was just like losing i am stressed out by you yeah (laughs) and but on the flip side, their grandmother, Hattie, was just like, I don't give two shits. Do whatever you want to do. I love it. I lo- well, I love you. And I don't care what package you come in. I don't care how you present yourself. I love you. Mm-hmm. And so we see where they go through this sort of transition. And we get, uh, we get sort of a, an insight into how they came into themselves, where they went into a chat room. And through that chat room, they met their partner, Bibi, who is a trans woman. And Bibi was hard as hell on Morgan. She dragged her for filth. She's like, this is 2020. How do you not know about feminism? How do you not know about gender politics? What is wrong with you? But she was still, at some points, tender towards Morgan. Well, they weren't Morgan yet. Or still Megan. Yeah, still Morgan. But she was very tender towards them. Very, as much as she was critical, she also taught them a lot about um, what it means to be feminist, but also to do your own research about these things. Don't just rely on me. 
to bear the labor of teaching you about these things. I've given you this much. Go ahead and research. And so they went ahead and researched and found a term that fit them perfectly, which was gender-free. And so we saw where they developed a relationship with Bibi and it became such a safe space for them, for both of them actually, to express themselves and to find love. And we saw where Morgan went ahead to try to explain to her grandmother, their grandmother, sorry, what it meant to be gender free and Hattie was just like listen to me uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was born in however long I'm from the 19 enough 18 something <laughs> these things men I get them and you just need to accept that I'm not going to get them but in my not getting them I still love you and I still care for you and I'm still going to be here for you. And I thought I, I felt that was really great, especially because the relationship between Morgan and their parents was fraught. They didn't have one at that point. Mm-hmm. They just had their grandmother and the grandmother was that safe space, that welcoming space. And then we saw where Morgan became a badass social media influencer and sort of a trans activist. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. yeah at first to be honest i was very disinterested in morgan's story because i thought oh gosh is this i was actually rolling my eyes at the the whole drug abuse thing because i've heard that story so many times before and i was just like oh no is this just another stereotype the book was going so well Mm -hmm. what is happening but then i thought morgan's character developed so well in terms especially kind of weird enough when Bibi became part of their lives as mm-hmm. a love interest and it felt more organic. It started yeah. feeling more real. Um, and I absolutely loved Morgan and Hattie's relationship because I thought it was realistic. Yeah. Um, you don't expect a woman who's 93 years old to be able to understand that gender exists on a mm-hmm. spectrum and some people are, have gender, some people mm-hmm. don't. Some people, and, like Morgan could have barely understood it when yeah, and they were just starting. when they were just starting out. Hattie's near the end of her life and she keeps She's reminding us about it. <laughs> She's ninety. She not have time for She's like, over I this. don't have the time. I got dead soon. You know, <laughs> like, don't care. I love you. Bring over BB when you want. I, I, I don't know if I'm good because I don't think Hattie does call. I don't think that. I don't think Hattie calls them Morgan. I'm, I'm not sure. Um, I think they do closer. I think she does closer to the end when yeah. she was gonna leave her. She said she was gonna leave, leave her, her the farmland, the farm to Bibi and Morgan. But yeah, it it was just it was interesting and it was so realistic seeing something like that. And it yeah, I I and then Morgan becomes this activist who goes to the school that Yaz is at and gives this whole speech. And then Yaz to her was just this complete badass <laughs> teenager who feel like she could what tackle the world. I'm going to ask, ask them a bigger <laughs> question and you have to answer me. Yeah, so that's Morgan and that's kind of Hattie, but Hattie's story was also very far field for me. Mm-hmm. It was way in the eight. started out from the 1800s. 1800s. It's like in the middle of the was, 1800s this, with Hattie's parents. 
what are you doing? I don't want to read this. So Hattie's mother, who was a black woman in a rural town. She was black? I think she was like half black. She was like half black-ish. Assyrian <laughs> and something no, else. No, the father, the father was... I don't remember. Abyssinian. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Ethiopian. It's Ethiopian. So, like... Ha- Before it was yeah, Ethiopian. I think the mother, I think the mother was like half... Blackish. She's, she's mixed. She's and, mixed. And but very much is. not white in yeah. this community. You are not white, so yeah. we're labeling you. You tend to easily. Um, get married to a white man who he definitely fetishized. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the red haired man. Definitely like, fetishized. He, was, he went to war man. and he, his travels took him to um, the Middle East and Northern Africa, I think. And so he kind of got this idea of what beauty is. So he was just like, oh, my lady of the Nile. And she's like, not from Egypt. (laughs) (laughs) Was this Hattie or Hattie's mom? Hattie's mom. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, So, and that kind of, because I was very confused as to how this black woman in the Mm -hmm. UK, way up north, had acres of huge amounts of Mm -hmm. farmland. I was like, how did you end up there? So they give you the backstory as Mm -hmm. to, the mother married into this family mm-hmm. of very white 200 like 200 story, years yeah. of story that land. also i now that i think about it her story was very touching um we saw yeah we saw where she dealt with postpartum depression oh yeah and having lost um children before she had that lost two or three yeah. children before hattie. And, and then when hattie was born she was just mm-hmm. so tired so over it <laughs> And as far as she was concerned, how she was going to die soon. So yeah. what the yeah. heck? Um, and it was it was interesting to me because I can't I can't imagine that they had the language or capacity no, to understand even what was happening. Nanny here. was just like, mm, when you finally come down, I <laughs> think like, it was mm-hmm. I think Hattie was like probably like, two finally. or three. Three. Three years old before <laughs> she like, actually finally. wanted to touch her child. And then the nanny was like, hmm, finally. <laughs> I was just like, why did I picture this in the voice of a Jamaican woman? <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, hmm. Finally, see a picnic. <laughs> like, wow. But it was very much that, and even the husband, because there were times when she tried committing suicide, yeah. and the husband sort of guilt tripped her into like, staying alive. Don't you do that? Don't you dare do that? So and, they did not have the language at mm-hmm. all. They did not have the capacity to deal with that. And Hattie was born very much into that situation of not having her mother around for the first mm-hmm. couple of years. But then her mom became involved, and Hattie was very much. She kind of sounded tomboyish to me. Yeah. Taking care mm. of the farm. Because it said that. that she loved to follow her father around. And, and do everything in on the farm. Yeah. yeah. And then she got pregnant at 14. Well, we're kind of skipping into Hattie's story. But she got pregnant when she was around 14. And her father, because he didn't want to be disgraced, um, took the baby away from her and gave the baby away. And she never saw the baby again. And now we are in present day. Hattie is <laughs> annoyed as fuck with her family. With her family, <laughs> her whole extended family. She thinks they're all waiting on her to die so yeah. they can then sell off the farmland. Mm. Farming isn't doing exactly well. Hattie is a Brexiter. <laughs> I thought it was very interesting to have For that type of story one. in it because I think oftentimes Brexiters are seen as just dumb, mm-hmm. white. 
usually older, Hattie's older, um, but usually white up in the north and just really dumb. And it was just so interesting to hear Hattie's side of the story mm. where it's, I'm hiring people from my community to work on my farm. I don't want people from the EU who come with cheaper jobs because mm-hmm. people in my community need to the eat. Work. And mm-hmm. the EU is bringing in all these cheaper foods, which makes it hard for me to sell my food, which makes it harder for the community and all of that. And then she goes into her politics. And I thought that was such an interesting look because I've never heard. I, I don't hear these stories mm-hmm. in terms of Brexiters who are black. And interestingly, and she was also older. married to a black American man. Oh, yeah. That was that was interesting. <laughs> Hattie's whole story is... Yeah. I think Hattie could have gotten a whole book. She really well. could have because I think I think she she sort of flipped the dynamic for me. Because um, you said you didn't like it. Yeah. First. At first, I was like, I, I'm not interested in the story. But the more that I read... Um, She's just a well-layered character. She she hates that her family is so money-grubbing and so um, intent on selling this land. And this land was extremely important to her. It was... Um, 200 and odd years Yeah, of her it was passed on through her family, through her lineage. Her father told her that it was hers, as even though he said, I hope you have a son so you can give it to. But outside of that, he passed it on to hers. To her and it became hers and she wanted to stay in her family which is why she decided to leave it with Morgan and Bibi because she felt that they would have kept it and put it to good use and not sell it off Maybe to big corporations because they had plans yeah to they had plans this, this queer LGBT haven. <laughs> yeah <laughs> but um, do you see oh sorry no it was just to say that um Seeing her, especially as an older woman, and getting her perspective, and even um, Bernardine said it that they don't, she doesn't see a lot of stories about rural British women, yeah, um, about older rural British women, black British women, black British just women. Don't exist. and so to to bring that perspective into the story was, I think it was such a great way of uh, um, just balancing out the spectrum of ages and times yeah. that we got in the book because sis jumped so many timelines <laughs> but this one was definitely um, a good one um was gonna make the point of uh, land being a theme in the in the, in the novel in the book because uh, i mean i'm thinking about different stories i haven't as you guys know mm-hmm. i haven't reached that part yet but we talk about land and the family dynamic or how it affects the family dynamic for Hattie's story. Um, Lan shows up in Bumi's story as well when um, her Bumi's mother was chased off the her husband's land mm-hmm. because she was only his, what was it? Cultural wife and not yeah, his legal not his wife or whatever. Wife, yeah. um, you see Lan come mm-hmm. 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 There's an old the house it was the house oh the, the house. house yeah it was the house but I mean, and that- also Yaz talks about the oh, house yeah, that yeah. she wants her mom to sell so mm. she can get so- I didn't think about and that Amma got like so that the issue or the, the theme of ownership inheritance in terms of and women yeah. and how important it is Properties. to have property yeah. Because yeah, that's because usually given to men yeah. or sons or cousins if there are no sons. Literally, so. no one thought about that but you, Ashley. Yeah, so, <laughs> so you need to go up you on that <laughs> because we need to hear more about that. 
But in Amal's story, though, she did mention when her parents sold the house because her brothers were successful that they mm-hmm. were gracious enough to give it to her because she was a struggling artist at that time. <laughs> and they didn't so, need it. Yeah, and they didn't need it. So she sold the house. and Or no, she got the lion's share of whatever the profit was. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, I'm going to think about that and see what that means for a woman to own land and to have property rights. Because that's mm-hmm. important. And interestingly, we got a bit of Roland's story. Roland is Yaz's okay. dad. So let's oh yeah, talk about that epilogue. And I was just like, I did not think that was necessary. Little, first of all, he was giving a toast after Amma's play, and the toast was really about him, him and how he can pontificate, as he uses the word. And I was just like, we never need this. What? We really never need this. What did Yaz say? He was his title. Some foolishness. Girl, I'm in a business. Contemporary media <laughs> no one cares. something. Some no made-up thing that he's the only person that no. is that. That no. has and that she's just like, How could you do that? That's like everything. You can't know. Every, you can't be yeah. a business of everything. Exactly. Um, and then in the end here, which is the... So we, we come full circle person. and yeah. we go back to present day at Amma's play and reception this is after and yeah. a lot of people from the earlier chapters are came yeah. together right um Shirley has a meetup with Carol um she was very <laughs> she was very pissed off in, yeah. her, we, in her story too she was really she pissed off that, that Carol did not reach not out to her thank to tell you. her thank you and she felt used and so she felt it <laughs> yeah. necessary to go up when to I was Carol that, I was like Jesus I wonder if there are any teachers who feel this way <laughs> Like you should have come back and tell them thanks. I don't know. I saw one teacher in a Chinese restaurant once and she never remembered me. So I said, all right, it's fine. Move on with my life. I loved her so much. She made geography so awesome. Wow. And she just forget both She's you. She's like, <laughs> I don't know. You <laughs> like, oh, okay. And I could tell, yeah, you don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Um, and then we see where Yaz meets up on Morgan again. And Yeah. And then Morgan is like, so wowed by the play that mm. Amma just put on and then realizes Amma is Yaz's mom. What? And that was when I realized, yeah, Yaz, you're underrated. <laughs> everybody. And apparently everybody, everybody listens to Morgan. So if Morgan says jump, everybody does it because she is that activist. And that's how she starts loving her mom <laughs> um, What I found really hilarious is when, so Dominique visits um, to see her friends play. I just found it really hilarious that they went to the bathroom. And did coke. Snort lines of coke. I was just what? like, what? I living up, really living it up. I was just like, because it was, it was the, what was interesting was that it was being told from Shirley's perspective. Mm-hmm. And Shirley, Shirley saw them going Shirley's the also Yaz's godmother. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, so one of like. One of the billions. <laughs> but the only one that seems to do the work. Um. And Yaz has this way of telling everybody that they're her favorite. Um, when she wants something. When she wants something from them. So anyways, Shirley was of, Shirley's very jealous of the relationship between Amma and Dominique. Mm-hmm. And Shirley was just like, she's Why watching them and she's watching these. The she's too. like, oh my gosh, they're like 50, 60 and they're still going to the bathroom together. Like, um, Dominique, how old is she? She's 50, in her 50s. 60s, like, that age yeah. really because yeah. when i was reading the the stories amma and 
and Dominique's story, it, it almost felt like Dominique was much younger than Amma. And I think they said that. I remember oh, much reading younger? that. Yeah. I just imagine they were like probably five or six years. But I know they're they're closest in age. No, I, I, I think, I think Domin- like ten years. I don't know. I never got the impression that they were much different. Yeah. Oh no! But remember that the first there are parts parts of their stories were told when they were they were together. They were in, in their twenties. That sort they of age. They weren't together in school, but they started the theater company mm-hmm. together. Yeah, but Amma was older than Dominique, and I thought it was a significant age difference. But it couldn't have been twenties because um, that would have mean Amma started the theater school in her. 50s? 40s? And no, am I 60 something? Mm. So I think it's probably a 10, 15 year mm. difference. Okay. Because I think Dominique is in her 50s. Yeah. I, th- okay. I don't know. I always got the mm. 5 to 10. That's the age range I got. Okay. But anyway, so Shirley's watching them and she's so jealous because <laughs> she knows that all of Amma's friends think she's the boring teacher and they're all artistic and gay. Mm-hmm. She actually says this. Shirley's <laughs> yeah. quite homophobic. <laughs> she is. <laughs> but she's just like, oh, they're so... And then she just sees Amma and Dominic running off to the bathroom. Laughing. Like, this a girl's laughing. And she's just like, which grown-ass women are going to the bathroom <laughs> together? They're so immature. Ugh. But secretly, you know, she wanted to join them. Yep. Then we switch over to Amma's and Dominic's story. And they're in the bathroom doing coke. Snorting coke. Just... What? Just recreationally, <laughs> just, just, casually, just yeah. you know, it's just a little it pickup that we needed. Mind. And I, I like, read that and I was like, "What? What? <laughs> what? You're just snorting coke?" Like, oh, so this is what happens when older women go to the like bathroom Dominique, together. They're Dominique is just coke. there. Dominique is there cutting up several lines of coke, snorting, <laughs> and then passing it over to Amma, who then snorts it because. All in my mind, I think that Amaga say, girl, what are you doing? No, nope. this is Amaga a like, this something I've been doing for a while. Like, coke is just a thing. And you know, Dominique didn't have much coke in her life really? with anything <laughs> else, you know? The three years that for she was, yes. That's her makeup for last time. No. And she's only here with Amma for that one night. So, you know, coke and wine got to do that. Oh um, but it's interesting to me just how that last chapter really changed my perspective on Dominique. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, and it made sense because when I was going back over, I was looking at what attracted Dominique to this commune. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of talk about feminine divine yeah. and all of that, you know, spiritual mm-hmm. femininity and blah, blah, blah. So Dominique's a complete transphobe. <laughs> she is. <laughs> and yeah. her festival is a woman who are born only. women festival Not so women, women with a b you need a womb you can't transition there's no trans people allowed at her festival i was like oh okay girl mm-hmm. that, and then that's Emma how you was are like, but sis um no but Emma wasn't even really defending trans yeah, people Emma was very much you know this is the way the world is yeah. now kind of thing and you have to learn and accept and mm-hmm. I could tell that a lot of that was because of Yaz's influence yeah. but she didn't quite have an understanding of gender yeah. or grounding in that and it was funny because Dominic was complaining about some trans British activist who was tweeting about her being transphobic oh, yeah, blah, just, blah. Yeah. and it was Morgan who was tweeting about yo don't mm-hmm. support this festival and I just thought that was hilarious but then and what's interesting too was Dominique was complaining right London seems like 12 people now (laughs) Dominique was complaining at a point about the commodification of feminism and uh, 
how what feminism is now she was kind of saying she's basically saying that it's sort of watered down now and i found that very interesting considering her transphobic views that you have not progressed your feminism beyond what it is now you haven't tried to um gain a better understanding of it and yet here you are complaining about people not not being feminist enough but also, can you speak about the commodification of feminism if you're profiting from this commodification? Like, so I think I that was brought up too. also something that Dominique and Amma have to deal with. Mm-hmm. And this whole idea of what they once thought was radical, this whole thing that they thought was the most progressive thing. What happens when it becomes mainstream? What yeah. happens when the fringe theater that you used to do becomes what's demanded in national theater mm-hmm. and you profit from it. Yeah. Is it still radical? Is it still... Or is it a, is it trendy? Is it just mm-hmm. trendy now yeah. to have these discussions or are you actually making a statement? Are you making a statement if everybody you're criticizing goes, oh, that's such an interesting point. Yeah. And then they don't do anything about mm-hmm. it. So at the, at the, it, it was just such a, again, a whole full circle in terms yeah. of that discussion of feminism and what does that mean today and i love that there are no answers Mm -hmm. and what does it mean when (laughs) what does it mean when what you're fighting for you get it oh yeah you get it get it because so amma amma and dominique when they started out they wanted to be able to tell their stories and for people to hear our stories and see us um see us outside of this white cis hetero um lens we want to put our stories there so now that we have the opportunity the access the money to make these stories mainstream what does that mean and what happens when your mainstream becomes criticized in yeah. the case of dominic where your mainstream is transphobic right so what and happens those now? stories need to be told those stories need to be told so what happens how do you move? I think the whole that? theme of success was just a, one that ran through everybody's mm-hmm. stories in terms of how they progressed, how they saw success and what they saw themselves as progressive. No one really stayed on one level. On one everyone level. had mm-hmm. their dreams. Everyone had their goals that they wanted to do. It, it was such a great story. I just That's really true. could have done without Roland. <laughs> really? <laughs> I just don't understand what was the point. Like, what was the reason, Bernadine? What was the reason? I mean, I haven't read his uh, self his speech, <laughs> but it shows how self-righteous he is and how, was how, it just the, like, how the, men, the men in the, the novel, well, they come across as a little self-righteous, though. It reminds me of... Uh, so, no. we've always I said... It is a novel. It is, it is. Okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. So a weird one. Okay. <laughs> there's always a reminder that people who live in the margins yeah. um, don't necessarily have a grasp of what it means of the or well of the different people in the margins mm-hmm. in the same way how gay men can also be mis- misogynists and replicate a lot of these harmful and violent um, behaviors. And I think Roland is sort of... <laughs> An interesting character. So he talks about where he's coming from. His family is from Gambia. And I think he's from Gambia as well. And uh, sort of progress. He talks about not wanting, not ever liking talking about race. He doesn't like, he doesn't even call himself black. Or he doesn't like to use the word black. And uh, just a whole bunch of, and I'm just like, Roland, shut up. 
Shut your face. Nobody likes you. What are your final thoughts on the book, guys? Oh, you. I don't know if you have final thoughts. Oh yeah, I don't have any final thoughts yet. But my thoughts uh, um, up until Winsome's story, amazing. And if you have the opportunity to read this book, definitely read it. Yeah. Um, just thank you, Bernadine, for introducing us to these characters. We get different women with different stories and this book isn't trying to tell us how to think how to feel how to perceive she's not trying to tell us any of that she's just laying out a reality and having you grapple with your own questions your own thoughts about this and i really love that great book great uh Overall, I'm just really happy to have read a book that I thought was funny and dynamic and dealed with so many different stories from black British people, predominantly women, that was not didactic. It didn't feel like it was trying to teach me this is what you need to think about black British people or this is what you need to think when it comes to women. It was just such a wide and beautiful range of there is no singularity. But these are a few of our stories and there are so many things that you could relate to and some things that you didn't. And that was completely fine. So, yeah, definitely a five out of five star. And I think I may reread this. Not soon, but I think it's one of those books that I'm going to come back to at some point. Yeah, yeah me too. Like maybe different stories at different points. Definitely Bumi's story. <laughs> So it's hilarious because before we actually did the podcast, everybody was like, oh, we should only do something for 45 minutes. We've been talking for about three hours. Yeah. Mm -hmm. A long ass time. <laughs> um, this was a long ass book. That's true. And it had a lot. Yeah, there's a lot. Sorry, not sorry. <laughs> um, but just a few things of note. Uh, thank you guys so much for the reception you had for episode one. It's been fantastic. Um, everyone who has, or you know what? Thank you to all the people who didn't like the podcast that didn't say anything to me because everyone who has said something to me has really liked it. So <laughs> you guys are amazing. And please subscribe and rate because apparently ratings help. But more importantly, I would just prefer if people listen and shared it with other book lovers. Um, the popularity isn't a goal for me it's just having people who enjoy reading and talking about books um additionally we are continuing our book drive which ashley is leading on yeah so um we are restarting our book drive we took a little break over the christmas holidays and now we're back again so february Fifteenth and twenty second, so the third and fourth week Saturdays in February, we'll be at the Mary's Child Home in Papine. If you want to spend your Saturday morning and/or afternoon with us, please just send us an email at rebelwomenlit at gmail.com or you can send a message on the website. There's a form that you can fill out there and do that. Uh, finally, so after. That weekend, we have book club in Kingston and Mandeville on the 29th of February and the 1st of March in Montego Bay. We'll also have an online meeting on the 1st of March where we'll be discussing the confessions of Franny Langton by Sarah Collins. Wait, I am, the Kingston meetup is the 8th of the 8th. February. The 8th? Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
No, I'm talking about the confessions of Sarah. Oh, no, but you, didn't, you said that it was a 29. Yeah. Okay. Never <laughs> the mind. Kingston meetup for Girl, Woman, Abo. Right. <laughs> okay. Is the yeah. A. Yeah. For the confessions of Franny Langton, it's a 29. Okay. Which you can get at Kingston Bookshop. Yeah, I feel like they should pay me for the advertisement. They should. I sold so many books from them. <laughs> uh, yeah. Ligony Post Mall. Uh, is there anything else I'm forgetting? No, I think that's it. Nah, just ensure that you listen to our podcast and share it with people. And, and read the talk book. Talk about <laughs> it and read the book and at Bernardine on Twitter and tell her how much we love her book. Tell her Rebel Woman yeah. sent you. So, yeah. Thank you guys for listening with us and I hope you enjoyed it. And see you at Book Club. Bye. Bye, guys. Bye.